Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. in the streets at 6.02 on your post-Thanksgiving Monday morning. Sid Rosenberg back with you. I was here on Friday, of course, because I put the show first. The rest of my cast, who doesn't do that, kind enough to show up for work on this Monday morning. Very nice of you guys. Let me with uh, Diego, who was very good on Friday, Diego, and uh, Ryan, and it was a great show on Friday. Great show. But in all seriousness, as good as those guys were, and they worked very hard. It's nice to see my uh, regular crew back today, Macedonia Phil, Justin Ellick, and, of course, the great Lou Rafino. Spent a lot of time on Saturday. Thank you, Phil. Texting each other back and forth. MJ, Lou's longtime fiancé, and my beautiful wife, Danielle, and me and, me and Lou, because, um, as you found out last week, Saturday was a huge event in Rockaway the annual Little North Pole event hosted by my buddy, attorney Joe Murray. He lives on 144th and Neponset, and it is a huge event. I had no idea how big it was until I arrived on Saturday afternoon, and Joe Causey was there. You know Joe Causey, long-term, long time, I should say, DJ here in New York. Really, really super guy, by the way. Sweetheart Joe Causey, he was there. And another guy, I have no idea who he is. He claims he's got the number one Facebook show. His name is Todd Wharton. Nice guy. Very nice guy, but don't know him. But uh, Causey, you know what, Joe Causey, Lou? I don't think I know Joe Causey. There was a lot of people there. I just... No, he was on stage, though. Yeah. I mean, there were thousands in the audience. They they said about 2,000 people. But when I got there, they had just started the Severian dance team, a couple of young acts. And then me, Causey, and Wharton hit the stage. And we introduced a bunch more acts, including a guy that finished, like, second in The Voice on NBC. He was really good, really good. And then, uh, really, I was there for the most part to introduce the big star of the night. I told you guys for 16 straight years, Tony Sirico, a.k.a. Paulie Walnuts on The Sopranos, went to this event, never, never got a penny. Never got a penny. But Tony loved the kids. Loved the kids. Couldn't wait to come. But, of course, Tony passed away this year. So they wanted to bring in somebody else. 
And we got a huge, huge star on Saturday. If you go to my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg, you see all the pictures of me with the guy that came this year for the late, great Tony Sirico, the man, of course, that a lot of people think is the best guitarist in the world. Part of that great E Street band with Bruce Springsteen. And, of course, had that iconic role as Silvio Dante, Jimmy Gandolfini, a.k.a. Tony Soprano's consigliere on The Sopranos. The great Stephen Van Zandt showed up on Saturday with Mike Sullivan, and I introduced Stephen to the crowd, and he was the guy that actually pushed the button that put the lights on for Murray's house. Remember I told you on Friday, I took a walk with Danielle and Gabe on Thursday night after Thanksgiving dinner to Murray's house to see these lights. This guy won cash awards for this. <laughs> it was pitch black. Pitch black. It makes me laugh. I know. So it's I show lights. up, I go, I go, Joe, we walked over on Thursday. The lights were off. He goes, yes, yeah, Sid, that's the whole idea behind today's party. We put the lights on. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So Van Zant hits the button. It all lights up. Wow. It's a magical, beautiful house. Once nice, again. Nice jacket. Oh, uh, the one I wore Saturday? Well, I'm talking about Stallone. Oh, Stallone. I mean, uh, Stephen Van Zandt, I know, Van. I know. Wow. Uh, the corner of 144th and the ponds at the house is gorgeous. Yes, Stephen Van Zandt has quite a jacket. Oh, wow. Quite a jacket. Oh, God, it's like a rainbow fur yeah. coat. And there were, again, thousands of people there. And, and again, this, uh, this whole event is to raise money for juvenile diabetes. So that's a great job by Joel Murray. He raises a ton of money for those kids, and it's not even over because Saturday was day one of like a three- or four-day event. Later on today, they have kids with autism coming over to the house, about 800 kids with autism coming over. And, again, the lights will be on. You can stop by if you're just driving in the neighborhood, 144 in the Ponset. And eventually on Saturday night, you know, I got cold, and me and Danielle got tired. They had all these vendors out there, Rocco's, great Italian restaurant on 116. Uh, they had Mateo's, Cross Bay Boulevard, Howard Beach. They got guys making Zeppelis. It was unbelievable. It really was. But we got cold and tired and left. I get home, and who arrives 30 minutes after I leave? Mayor Eric Adams. In fact, they had Santa. Every year Santa Claus comes, and that's kind of the big deal with this event, and gives out toys to all the kids. They had Santa come out of a helicopter. <laughs> and it's unbelievable. I missed a lot. I, you, yes, you did. And the mayor was there. So I text the mayor. I go, Adams, you know I'm literally eight blocks away. I live eight blocks away. And he was like, well, let me see what, uh, what, what the rest of the night calls. Maybe I'll stop by, have a quick drink, say hello. He didn't do that. But that's fine because I was watching college football and tired anyway. But it was a magnificent event. I do want to congratulate Joe Murray. Uh, all the folks that uh, helped him with that event, obviously, uh, Stephen Van Zant, Mike Sullivan, Mayor Eric Adams, and everybody that showed up. And, again, you can stop by there later on tonight. Kids with autism are being honored later, the corner of 144 and the Ponset. But you texted me, Lou, that you were coming, and, we and then were you there. were just gone. No, we were there. We How long were you there for? About a half hour. Really? Easily. What what time was uh, was um, I don't know. You told me. Was I on stage? No. I was already I couldn't even find you. I texted you. I didn't, well, didn't well, see Danielle. Not, well, well, not long after I introduced Van Zant and he put the button to put the lights on, and we sang Happy Birthday, I left not long after that. Right, but so, I think we got there before you. 
Really? I yes, because that had had, they were there was like a couple of uh, females singing. Yes, cr- a Christmas song. Yes, then a couple of these like R and B guys. Yes. up there with dancers. I was there for that. I okay, thought. Yeah, but you weren't on the stage. I wasn't. No. Interesting. I no. don't know where I went. No, I it was know. Joe Murray yeah. was talking a lot. Oh, Joe was. I, okay. yeah, he, yeah, he was introducing a lot of yeah. it. And, and then I said, okay, I said it hasn't got back to me. I don't know where he is. It's, uh, it's a little cold. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we walk by the stands, but there are people there. I just, okay. And we didn't see little Steven, and that's, you know, that's what MJ wanted so to So you see. missed little Steven, oh, which I, I would have brought you guys up on stage to meet him. And the mayor and all that stuff, but whatever. I know you're not a big fan of the mayor, but it would have been cool anyway to meet yeah. these people. Well, there's somebody I really wanted to meet, but forget it. Van Zandt, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Okay. It's all right. We'll get him. We'll get him here. I I peppered him all night to get him and Bruce to come into studio. I'm like Howard Stern, Jimmy Fallon. Great. What about the biggest Springsteen fan of all? And the one guy Howard Stern is not friends with Van Zandt. Neither is Jimmy Fallon. I am good friends. How about me? How about that? Well, he said he was going to talk to Bruce. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I'll, go. I'll give him a tag. We'll see what happens. We got a lot of rehearsing to do, man. I'm, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to disown Donald Trump to get Springsteen in here. And um, it's becoming easier to do that. You know, Peter King and Bo Deedle and all these guys. And I say that because if you're Donald Trump, you cannot have Kanye West visit you at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I mean... You know how many times I've defended Donald Trump over the years for what he's done for the Jewish people, what he's done for Israel? Bibi Netanyahu hated Barack Obama, doesn't really like Joe Biden, loved Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the first president after six others promised to do it to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Donald Trump recognized the Golan Heights as a part of Israel. Donald Trump refused unlike Barack Obama, to send pallets of cash to the Palestinians when that money goes directly to Hamas, who splits up with Iran, Iran, I should say, to kill all the Jews. So when you start listing all the things Donald Trump has done for the Jewish people, it's hard not to love Donald Trump if you're a Jewish man like myself. But with all that said, you cannot have a guy who has been on an anti-Semitic role, I mean a role, Way above what Kyrie Irving did, this ye, this loser, this lowlife Kanye West, come to Mar-a-Lago and have any, any exchange. In fact, my dear friend Dove Heikind, who loved Donald Trump, loved him. Yes, he's a Democrat, but like I just said, Dove Heikind is quick to list all the great things Donald Trump has done for Israel like I just did. But this one, Kanye West at Mar-a-Lago upset Dove Heikind. Like it upset me so much that Dove Hyken went to Twitter and left this video message about Donald Trump. Lou Rapino, this is Dove Hyken, cut number six. Donald Trump tells the American people he wants to be president again. So what does he do to endear himself to the American people? He sits down at Mar-a-Lago and has dinner with two anti-Semites, two Jew haters. Can you believe that? One, Kanye West. And Kanye West, the president says he has no problem with. He has no problem with the things that he has said about the Jewish people recently, recently, because Kanye West says nice things about him. So he can be an anti-Semite, not a problem. And the other guy, Nick Fuentes, 
He didn't know who he was. I mean, he should have known, but okay, he didn't know. So why didn't Donald Trump say anything about this Holocaust denier afterwards? Donald Trump is an embarrassment. He has disqualified himself by this behavior and so much of his other behavior. It's unconscionable. What a message to send to the American people when anti-Semitism is out of control. Numbers that we've never seen before. So the guy who wants to be president again meets with anti-Semites. He has dinner with them. And I'm sure it was a very nice dinner as well. I mean, this is outrageous. This is sickening. Donald Trump, please just forget it. You have disqualified yourself again and again and again. Ouch. He wasn't the only one. This Dana Bash on CNN also went very hard at Donald Trump for this dinner with two well-known anti-Semites. Lewis, Dana Bash, courtesy of CNN, cut number five. You know what probably isn't a great way to get voters on your side? Dine at your private club with white supremacists and Holocaust deniers. Uh, That is exactly what happened Last week, President Trump had, uh, former President Trump had white nationalist and Holocaust denier Nick Fuentes, rapper Kanye West, who is now known as Ye. Uh, The former president claimed that Fuentes was an unexpected guest and he knows nothing about him. And here's what Chris Christie, a potential rival for 2024, told The New York Times. This is just another example of an awful lack of judgment from Donald Trump. Oh, boy, not good. All right, the world is on fire, if you don't know that. They are protesting just about everywhere. China, of course, they've got these very strict COVID lockdowns in Beijing, and it has become impossible. People have taken to the streets in China and Iran. You've got uh, little Kim, his sister, or his daughter, I should say, his daughter resurfacing in North Korea. So we're going to talk to the great Gordon Chang coming up at 6.40 this morning between Russia, Iran, China, and then, of course, Venezuela. All of a sudden, the White House is easing sanctions on Venezuela. And why is that? Because we are no longer energy independent. We need oil. We need fuel. We need help. And now we're going to be pumping again in Venezuela. And a complete embarrassment, embarrassment to the United States that Joe Biden and the White House is doing this. In fact, we'll talk to our main man, John Katsimatidis, coming up at 8.05. Nobody knows more about the oil and energy business than John Katsimatidis. But to the point of China and all these lockdowns and protesting in the streets, in fact, they beat up a BBC journalist a couple of days ago. Anthony Fauci was back at it again yesterday. And one of the reporters that was interviewing Fauci, I think it was on Face the Nation, says that the Republicans say you've aligned yourself over the years with Democrats. And Anthony Fauci found his way to weasel his way out of that one. This would be Anthony Fauci Lewis, cut number one, I believe, courtesy of Face the Nation on CBS. They've clearly politicized it. You know, they say that I'd be, I'm not political at all, period. I've never been, and anybody oh, who knows anything about me knows that that's the case. Liar! But it is very clear when people are running their campaigns mm-hmm. with an anti-Fauci element to it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, th- 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 this is a public health issue. So, yeah, it's going to keep going, likely much more ge- geared towards me. I mean, it's obviously a political issue. 
I'm not going to get involved. I didn't get involved before in the politics, and I'm not going to get involved now. And locally, it was Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg on the Brian Lehrer Show last Wednesday making all kinds of claims that a lot of the numbers are down since 2019, talking about crime numbers in New York City. The bad news for Alvin Bragg, though, is the New York Post did a story which reads, Numbers show the grim consequences of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's pro-crime principles, and they laid it out for you, misdemeanors, felonies, subway crime, all at all-time highs. So despite Alvin Bragg's contentions, and we've got that audio coming up later on today, it turns out, shocker, shocker, Alvin Bragg and Danielle Filson, his speaker, are both liars. So huge guest list coming up today. Once again, we'll start at 640 with Gordon Chang. Then coming up at 740, he's here every Monday at that time. He's really good. The editor of the National Review, my good buddy, Rich Lowry, coming up at 805, Mr. Red Apple, Mr. WABC, the great John Katsimatidis. 825, Lydia reports. 905, we'll talk to Joe Borelli. 925, Carol Markowitz. And 705, likely in studio, the great Curtis Sliwa, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. All the news locally and nationally, big sports weekend. How about Mike White? Mike White for the New York Jets. Zach Wilson who? And a huge win for the Michigan Wolverines. Keep it right here with me, Sid Rosenberg, on a Monday. The best talk show in the country, trust me. If you're listening for the first time, you're going to find out why today. Podcast Network. A lot this weekend. And, of course, Santa came out Thursday, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And then Saturday, Santa coming out at Joe Murray's house. By the way, talking about uh, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, Phil, Macedonia Phil or Justin Ellick, I know I played it on Friday, but a lot of you folks weren't here. Folks were off from work, and you three um, lazy bastards didn't come in. So um, get me the, uh, the Joe Biden live phone call. To NBC, the parade 
on Thursday. You talk about a four-hanger abortion. Oh, my God, was that a disaster. I mean, the, the reporter literally spent 30 seconds saying hello to Joe. He never answered. And eventually, him and his dopey wife, Dr. Jill, jumped in. But let's get that that uh, phone call from Thursday. But I found myself an awful lot this weekend saying to folks, Merry Christmas. And then it occurred to me, I think it's okay. I think right after Thanksgiving, again, once Santa comes out here in New York, I think that officially begins the Christmas season. I could tell you that in my neighborhood, in Rockaway, Lou's neighborhood, all these houses are decorated beautifully. Even my neighbor, Billy Felton, put up his lights on Saturday. Got the guy across the street from me, Louis Jett, Louis Gampero. His house is gorgeous, Joe Murray's house. So Rockaway is all lit up, and most of the stores here in New York City are lit up. In fact, I was walking down by Del Frisco Steakhouse last week when they were lighting Saks Fifth Avenue. So the question is, I started this weekend, is that too early or about right? I'm Jewish. Let me go to one of the Goyim uh, on the show, Lou Rafino. Is it about right, right after Thanksgiving, you can start wishing people Merry Christmas? <laughs> of course. All right, good. Commercials yeah. were started, like, before Halloween. Oh, so I know that. They, they rushed the season in. Merry Christmas. Yeah. It's all good. Do you do that now, too? Do you wish everybody a Merry Christmas? No. You don't do that. No. It's yeah. still November. You, you just, wait, wait a second. You just told me it's okay. I don't understand. Well, it's okay, but that's not me. Oh. It's, You're kind of scroogey, by the way. Yeah, I am, I guess. I mean, you and I have been close for almost 30 years, and I love you to pieces. But, but but you're not but, really a very but, friendly. I mean, you're kind of like on. a. No. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. Well, what's the matter with you? Yes, I am. I'm a friendly person. You to I, me. I stood in that in that crowd Saturday mm. afternoon. Come on. I mean. But why won't you just text me? I, I. Are you kidding? No, no, no. You did not say I'm here. Come get me. Yes. Uh, okay. I'm gonna read it. Read it. Go ahead. Read I'll, it. I'll read it. Because if you would have said I'm here, I would have sent Danielle or Gabriel out in the crowd and, or Joe Murray and gotten you. You're Lou Rafino. You're famous. Okay. I mean, not me, but you're famous. Is that lighting? Yes, it is. Yes. It is. He gave yeah. me the address. Uh-huh. Okay, we're in the area. What does that mean, in the area? What does that mean? The, that could be like you could be in Fort Lauderdale on your way to Boca. No, it doesn't mean Yes, that. it does. It means You should say, we're here, not in the area. We're here. Then I would have had somebody come get you, take you to the stage with me, meet Stephen Van Zandt. So, and after you say you're in the area, like, we're leaving. We're so gone. What, yeah, well, what did you, so when you saw we're in the area, what is that, you just ignored it? I was on stage when I got that from you. I was, <laughs> I was working Saturday, Lewis. Uh, oh, okay, I got that. <laughs> I know that. So I figured I you would have sent to me, I'm here. To support you. I know that. Well, now I'm upset you left because I know you love Van Zandt. Yeah, but. And you should have met him. Well, it's. You'll meet him happen. later. It'll, it'll happen. Who wanted to leave? Honestly, you or MJ? Who was the bigger I think pain she, in the ass? She, <laughs> she said, do you want to go? Because Danielle's not answering me and Sid is not answering you. Yeah. So I said, okay. I think, by the way, I think we passed Gabe. Oh, you saw Gabe? Yeah, I think so. But he was across the street with another uh, Another friend. kid. His friend yeah. Kevin, yes. yes. And MJ goes, I think that was Gabe. And I went, yeah, that looks like him. Yeah. But he's, they were like moving fast oh, back towards the street. Damn. All, all right. Did was, you get a Zeppelin at least? Uh, we, I thought about it walking by. There was a I got things, it. I did it. We were already. You did? You yeah, I did one? it. I yeah. see. We, I ate a little bit of pasta from Rocco's and Mateo's early in the night just so I could have some energy to work. Then when I was done working on stage... Danielle wanted a sausage and peppers hero. They were delicious. Oh, those looked good. Yeah. They were so good, Lou. Yeah, and the I truck right those. next to the sausage and pepper truck was the Zeppelis. So the guy was like, hey, Sid, I'm online for sausage and peppers. I go, hey, what's up? He goes, 
Love the show. Big fan. I mean, everybody there was so nice. Thousands of people. I must have taken 100 pictures. Danielle was like, enough with the pictures. I'm like, I'm not going to say no to people. But um, the Zeppelin guy called me over and gave me a whole bag of sugar-coated Zeppelins. Oh, forget it. Oh, Lewis. <laughs> You'll never be able to eat again. Oh, that. it was so good. Zeppelins. I actually woke up full yesterday. Like, Sunday morning, I love to get a good breakfast before NFL football. I woke up full yesterday because of the whole event on Saturday night. But either way, um, you can start saying Merry Christmas now. That's good to know. Merry, Merry. Merry, 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 Merry Christmas. Are we having a uh, Christmas party here at WABC this year? I know we got a big event coming up this Friday, which I'm excited to go to, at Marriott Marquis, the Tunnel to Towers Annual Foundation. And they're honoring two wonderful people that I love very, very much, John and Margot Katsimatidis, well-deserved, by the way. But are we having a party here for Christmas? Unknown to I me. hope not. No, probably not. Christmas parties are so lame. <laughs> we shouldn't even do them anymore. I'm being serious. People, like, still wear masks. Like, they're nervous. And, like, there's no real drinking. Like, you know, remember the old, the old days you and I would go to the Ep Band Christmas parties 23 years ago? There'd be booze. There'd be cocaine. People would be having sex on the Xerox <laughs> machine. That was a party. Sure was. Now they're lame. Can't talk to anybody. If you do, God forbid, you get in trouble with HR. There's no drinking. In fact, most of these companies make their parties now, like in the afternoon, to limit some of the frolicking and drinking and all that stuff. And for some reason, people think this is a better world. They're nuts. They are nuts. I mean, I remember my father, God rest his soul, about this time of year, he would be drunk for 30 days. He'd be going to a different Christmas party at a different place every night. I could see him sucking on his lollipop like Kojak in his trench coat and his suit. And every night was a different party. And they were bashes of all bashes, like our Christmas Eve party in Brooklyn. And those days are over. For some reason, this world thought all that was bad. And now it's better to be offended every 30 seconds and claim you're being raped when somebody says, hey, nice pantsuit. Anyway. Traffic and sports are coming up next with so a huge def- guest list. <laughs> I could accuse somebody after they just said that to me down oh, the hall? Absolutely. Oh, good. Okay. Ab- absolutely. Huge guest list today again, starting with Gordon Chang. He's an amazing guest coming up at 640. Then you get uh, Rich Lowry, Curtis Sliwa, John Katsimatidis, Joe Borelli, Carol Markowitz, all on the show today. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable with my guy, John Katsimatidis, every Sunday morning starting at 8. There he tells both sides of the story. Here, John talks with my good friend, New York State Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. I saw you were concerned about the rail strike. Tell us what's going to happen. So, John, uh, December 9th is an important date because uh, the railroads and their unions, and there's 12 unions, they've been negotiating uh, contract terms. Uh, And as you know, they almost had a strike back in September. Thankfully, it was averted. There was a preliminary agreement that was made. However, four of those unions have opposed. They voted down, they struck down, you could say, the agreement. And so uh, without the agreement of all 12 unions, we could be headed for another strike come December 9th. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. This is my guy Pete Morgan, who emailed me very early this morning with tickets to the Giants and Washington Commanders. For me, Danielle and Gabe coming up this Sunday. We love Pete Morgan. Fearless Boilers. Check them out. FearlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com. They do build... 
America's best borders. Just talked about it with the great Joe Nolan, the Jets. And did they look good with Mike White at quarterback yesterday? Here's my guy, Justin Ellick, to tell you more about it. Well, thank you, Sydney. And yes, indeed, the Jets needed to do something in order to save the weekend here locally in terms of football after the Giants they lose to the Cowboys on Thursday, 28 to 20. And the Jets, they did indeed do what they set out to do. They bested the Chicago Bears at MetLife by a score of 31 to 10 in game one of the Mike White quarterback era. White, he was really much better than good in his first start since assuming the starting position over the struggling Zach Wilson going 22 of 28 for 315 yards and three touchdowns through the air, including this dime to Garrett Wilson to open up the scoring. Takes the snap, drops back, looks right, throws back right corner of the end zone, wide open, Garrett Wilson, that's a Jet touchdown. That call courtesy of Fox. Elijah Moore, been a while since Jets fans heard that game. He caught his first touchdown pass of the season and route to the win. And the Jets, they celebrate a new day and they're new. QB1 with a win to improve to 7-4 and four on the year. Just a game back of the Bills for second place in the AFC East. They got a tough one coming up on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Doesn't well, matter. The, the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, uh, well, settle down now. <laughs> settle really down there, Hank. All right. All right. You, All got right. A, you got a team in the NFC there in the Birds that are uh, not too terrible. Niners can beat the Birds. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. All right. I mean, crazy things are being said. I can't, I can't even really handle it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, the the G-Men, in terms of the Giants here, they have a division bout scheduled at MetLife against the Washington Com uh, Commanders coming up this weekend as well. As Sid did mention, we had a doubleheader on the hardwood yesterday, too, as the Knicks and Nets were both in action. Let's start with the winners in the Nets, who dropped the Portland Trailblazers at home by a score of 111-97. KD led all scores with 31 uh, points in his 37 minutes on the floor. As the Nets, they continue to try to climb back into things after their slow start. As for the Knicks, they lost a nail-biter at the Garden, 127. 7-123 with the Memphis Grizzlies in town. And looking ahead on the ice, the Rangers and Devils meet each other at the Garden for a 7 p.m. puck drop tonight. And the Islanders are off until tomorrow night in Philadelphia against the Flyers. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law. Personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at at info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach that clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning... And the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk mm -hmm. to you about it, which is not correct. But they they're not talking be. to the Biden administration about it either. Exactly. I think that horse is out of the barn and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. We need to have an open dialogue with their scientists and our scientists, keep the politics out of it and let the scientists, because these are scientists that we've known for decades and we've collaborated with them.
That's that lion jerk off Anthony Fauci on Face the Nation yesterday. He's not politically motivated and China, blah, blah, blah. All I know is this. Right now, the folks in Beijing, in Shanghai, and all across China are locked down, a COVID lockdown, and the people have taken to the streets. In fact, according to CNN this morning, 16 different, 16 different locations across China, folks have taken it to the streets. That doesn't happen often in a communist country. With more on this, there is nobody better. I mean, nobody better. He's on this show often because he's the only guy I want to talk to about these things. You can follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon G. Chang. Here's my friend, Gordon Chang. Good morning, Gordon. How are you? I'm fine, Sid, and thank you so much. You're very welcome. So the folks have taken it to the streets. I I know that G just won his third term, unprecedented third term, but not off to a very good start here. Even Beijing and Shanghai, they've taken it to the streets. They beat up a BBC journalist a couple of days ago. What is the latest on the rioting going on in China? Yeah, the protests, as you mentioned, are across China. They are large, and they are coordinated in the sense that everyone has the same grievance, but they're leaderless. This just happened because people decided that they had had enough of the COVID lockdowns. On Thursday, there was a fire in Urumqi in uh, Xinjiang, in the northwestern part of the country, and a reported 10 people were killed. Um, obviously, the death toll was a lot larger. People then, um, just right after that in Urumqi, but then in other cities as well, um, took to the streets. Um, and the Communist Party has doubled down. People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication in China, issued a landmark editorial saying that the country was going to stick with zero COVID, which was the only solution for China. So this is now a confrontation between the Chinese people and the Communist Party. I actually saw this tweet this morning from a lady I don't recognize, Taylor Lorenz. And I guess she's uh, works for The Washington Post. And she tweeted this, Gordon, there is no lasting natural immunity to COVID. You can get COVID over and over and over again because there are so many endlessly evolving strains and antibodies. Wayne, also choosing not to kill off millions of vulnerable people, as the U.S. is doing, is not a critical flaw. With record coronavirus cases, China scrambles to plug an immunity gap. So she's saying, look, this thing lives on forever They are being careful, unlike the United States, to save their people. She's making an excuse for the Chinese. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, that tweet is horrible um, because we know that uh, in China, many people have died because of the zero COVID policy. People can't get to hospitals. People have been uh, welded into their apartments where they burned to death, which is what happened on Thursday. Um, the zero COVID policies of China um, have obviously not been good. And, and for her to justify it is beyond comprehension. So what happens next? Again, you've got these protests all over China, big cities, Beijing, Shanghai. We know that in the past, whether it's a Putin in Russia, communist governments uh, sometimes will shoot some of their own people right there in the street. How violent, how bad can this thing get, these protests across China? These protests could actually become a nationwide movement that removes the Communist Party. Now, we don't know whether that will happen, but we do know 
that uh, the Chinese people have had enough, not just of zero COVID, but of Xi Jinping and the party. And we know that because in Beijing and Shanghai, that's what the protesters have been saying. Um, you know, these protests, they could fizzle out, but they're going to come back. And the reason is that people have uh, now made the connection that the Communist Party is um, hurting them, not only personally, but as destroying China itself. And that's why this is even more um, a threat to the Communist Party than 1989, the Tiananmen Square movement. This is like 1949, Sid. In 1949, the Communist Party was able to take over China against a superior nationalist of Chiang Kai-shek because, as one great Chinese historian put it, the nationalists had lost people's hearts. Well, the Communist Party has lost people's hearts now, and we don't know whether it'll lose power this week or maybe a couple of years from now, but it will happen because the people have decided that they want freedom and they are not going to be denied. Joe Biden, not exactly very popular in the United States today with Chevron now getting a license to pump oil in Venezuela, that Maduro murderous regime. That's almost seems impossible to believe. But, folks, that is actually happening. And he's trying to make an excuse. It's about restoring democracy in Venezuela when we know, of course, it's all about energy costs. has nothing to do with democracy. Now, what does he do here? Uh, If you're Joe Biden, if you were Donald Trump, what would they be doing with China basically on fire? Well, you know. Um, So many times American presidents have rescued the Communist Party. Richard Nixon did it in 1972. George H.W. Bush did it in 1989. And Bill Clinton in 1999. Now, I don't think that right now an American president can do anything to save Xi Jinping. But um, I don't want Biden to try um, because right now it's important for us to support freedom. The Communist Party um, is a threat not just to the Chinese people, but not just to its neighbors in the region, but also to the U.S., because the Communist Party thinks that the U.S. is an existential threat because it's worried about the inspirational impact that we have on the Chinese people because of our values and our form of governance. People in China want to govern themselves. They don't want the party. And that's why no matter what we do, you know, we can't stop the Communist Party from assaulting us. So just to wrap China up in a nice little bow here, Gordon Shang, the great Gordon Shang, you don't expect these protests to stop anytime soon. They may even gain in number. And eventually, according to you, this may oust the Communist Party in China. Yes. I mean, look, look, some of the anger over the fire on Thursday, that may fade. But the real problems right now for the party is that, um, as I said, Uh, the party has lost their hearts. So these protests can fade for a moment, but they will come back. And so we will see in the pretty near future, I think that the people of China will win and Xi Jinping and the Communist Party will lose. Let's move to Iran here for a second. I'm not sure if you're keeping up with the soccer, the World Cup soccer, but we actually play, America plays Iran tomorrow. It's a big game for both clubs because a win has either one of the clubs moving on in that group, Group B, I guess. But uh, more importantly, I don't know if you saw this, Gordon, a couple days ago when Iran started the tournament against England, they did lose the game, but the players on the team refused to stand for the national anthem because much like in China, there are protesters in the streets in Iran, and the players on the soccer team were showing their solidarity not to the government, but to the folks in the street. I thought that was very refreshing. What did you think? 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it shows that the people of Iran, you know, they right now can't remove their regime, but they are willing to put themselves on the streets at great risk. And this has been periodically, um, you know, in 2009, I think, um, you know, it was to our shame that President Obama didn't support the protesters. Um, you know, I don't know why um, Obama and now Biden think that uh, we have any common interest with the Ayatollahs. Right now, what we must do is support the protesters because they want what we have, which is the right to govern ourselves. Now, uh, this is a story that just broke. The Ayatollah Khomeini, his niece, is an activist in Iran. She has taken to the streets to help the protesters. We know this story about that young lady. I think she's still missing, 24 years old and still missing there. And she was arrested. Ayatollah Khomeini's niece was arrested for protesting, but she's had enough as well. So much like China, do you see these protesters in Iran gaining in numbers, getting more and more bold and just looking to oust that government? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, what we've seen in the most recent round of protests is led by women. It started with um, the disappearance of a woman um, and, and death of a woman, and, and now it's going to continue. I think you're right. So um, the deal, the Iran deal, that awful deal that Obama and Kerry put together before Donald Trump came in and whacked it. Now there's been all kinds of rumors that Joe Biden and John Kerry want to do it again. I know you kind of uh, glossed over it a couple of minutes ago, but do you think that's back on the table or do you think now America will stay out of it because of what's going on in the streets in Tehran? Yeah, I think that that deal, at least for the moment, is dead. Um, And part of it is because Russia was very much behind it and Russia would benefit from it. But the fact that we're talking to Iran about this, to me, is hideous because we should not be helping the Iranian regime. And that's what we would be doing, you know, sending them cash, legitimizing them, especially at this critical moment where um, women and uh, regular Iranians want want the Ayatollahs gone. So this really is important for us. Um, you know, when you go back to the the, the 2015 deal, um, that was wrong. Um, and it was wrong because um, we were giving them money, which they were using for terrorism. And we also know that they were violating the deal. And, and President Trump had the courage to say, no, I can't certify compliance. You know, we saw... Um, you know, we saw the Obama administration certify compliance when they knew that Iran was actually secretly enriching uranium. This just was wrong. Let's move now from China to Iran to North Korea. There's a story in today's New York Post. Lil' Kim back again. New sign she may be Pop's successor. So I guess Rocketman there in North Korea at some point is going to have to step down or maybe be killed. Who knows? And it looks like his daughter is being primed to replace him. What's the latest in North Korea? Yeah, this is really one of the most amusing stories. Um, His 10-year-old daughter has now been uh, revealed to the public at two events uh, this month, both of them relating to the Wasong-17, which is an intercontinental ballistic missile. You know, most people think, and I think it's probably true, um, that what he's doing is trying to tell the North Korean people that uh, little Ju A was um, his successor. But, you know, he has three children. They're all young. I think it's a little bit early for Kim Jong-un to um, to tell anybody that one of them is going to succeed him. I think that this has more to do with Kim's sister, um, Kim Yo-jong, 
um, who is clearly very capable and seemingly ambitious. And I think Kim Jong-un is telling his sister, back off, forget about taking over if I have problems. Kim Jong-un has medical problems, a series of them. And so, um, you know, the talk of succession is not premature in a sense, but a 10-year-old is just too young to designate to be the next leader. <laughs> I would say so. Gordon Shanks. So we're going to move again now. Started in China. Then, of course, we went to Iran. Now we just, uh, we're going to leave uh, North Korea and we're going to go to Russia. Uh, this major fire breaks out at an oil refinery in Russia, Angarsk, Russia. Is this foul play? Was just uh, this just a, um, I don't know, just a fire broke out? What are you hearing about this fire at the oil refinery in Russia? Yeah, that I don't know. Um, but there have been suspicious events across Russia, and many people expect that there's Ukraine um, actually trying to target Russian facilities that are important for the Russian war effort. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised. And this is something, you know, a lot of people say, well, the war is spreading to Russia. Well, you know, the Russians have spread the war to Ukraine. Um, so right now, I, I think that it's important um, not to try to put restraints on Ukraine um, because they should uh, be given all the means to defend themselves. The Biden administration is thinking of giving long range uh, rockets to Ukraine. Uh, 100 miles or so, that could obviously reach into Russian territory. I don't think that's a problem. I think Ukraine needs to take the war to Russia. Yes, it's dangerous, but once deterrence broke down, once the Russians invaded Ukraine, every option becomes dangerous for us. All right, 60 seconds to go, Gordon. I want to revisit something I mentioned earlier, which Don Katsimatidis will talk about uh, later on today, and that is the U.S. getting the green light of Chevron to pump oil in Venezuela. The White House is making an argument. This is about restoring democracy. Anybody with half a brain knows, no, it's not. It's about energy costs and the trouble we're in because of uh, deciding no longer to be energy efficient here in the United States, energy independent. Quickly, your thoughts on us pumping oil in Venezuela. There is no way to justify that. If you want to pump oil, pump it in the United States. We're not supporting democracy in Venezuela. We're just giving money to a dictator. Um, that's simple as it's clear as day that what the Biden administration is doing is 1,000 percent wrong. Yes, Maduro is a uh, murderous dictator as well. I mean, a really nasty guy in Venezuela, that whole family. So this is a very embarrassing moment once again for Joe Biden and the American people. Uh, for you, Gordon Chang, it's always an A-plus, a Grand Slam home run. You were tremendous on this post-Thanksgiving Monday morning. Thank you for stopping by. Let's do it again very soon, and happy holidays. Happy holidays, Sid. Thank you so much. You got it. There he is, folks. Gordon Chang. Check him out. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. We did it all there, folks. You got Russia, North Korea, Iran, China, Venezuela, the United States. Hope you feel a little smarter this morning. Still a lot more to do. Next hour, huge hour coming up. Curtis Sliwa live in studio. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. And from the National Review, the editor, my good friend Rich Lowry. All coming up next, right here. Sid Rosenberg with you on a Monday on Talk Radio 77. WABC. Do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. 
God help you on the Red Apple Podcast Network. weekend, Irene passed away at the age of 63 years old. Nice job by Lou Rafino reminding me about that. This, of course, one of her many, many hits. Fame. Terrific TV show as well. So, rest in peace, Irene Carroll. We're going to replay that Gordon Chang interview coming up at 840. I've made the executive decision. It's uh, just too good. Needs to be in prime time. So, we've got a lot of really good guests coming up. Rich Lowry, John Katsimatidis, where we play Gordon Chang, Joel Borelli, who Curtis hates, and Carol Markowitz. But right now, here he is, the star of WABC, whether it's weekday afternoons from 12.15 to 1 or all weekend long. And a guy that now spends a lot of time on this show because I just think he's great. And that is my dear friend, Curtis Sue. I'll tell you this. I went to this huge event in Rockaway on Saturday night the annual Little North Pole event hosted by Joe Murray. Mayor Eric Adams was there, Stephen Van Zandt, a host of others. And the question, I swear to you, the question I was asked most often was, where's Curtis? So my question to you is, Mr. I'm Everywhere Guardian Angel, the Rockaways love you. Why did you screw the people in my neighborhood and not show up on Saturday? You, Sid Rosenberg, are a fair-weathered friend. I was listening to you in the bullpen in preparation. I see you're ready to throw Donald Trump under the bus and Bruce Springsteen will come on your show. That's correct. Boy, how quick you Wait a second. Wait a second. Donald Trump is hanging out with anti-Semites. He's having dinner with Kanye West. He's giving uh, the biggest anti-Semite in the country uh, a chance to speak. No, no, no. That's not it. Oh, it's Given the opportunity to have Bruce Springsteen oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. on with you, oh. right? you've already said, that's it. It's over. That's I'm it. no longer a Trumper. I'm swimming with Congressman <laughs> Peter King and Bo Deedle towards Curtis, the never-Trumper, the rhino, right? Well, I'm, I'm getting, I'm not there yet. Let me just say this. Before you start bombarding my Twitter at Sid Rosenberg, and by the way, just so you know, folks, I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you get upset. I don't make decisions based upon what you think or what you say, quite frankly, uh, uh, nor did I make decisions based on my late partner who I missed desperately, Bernard McGurk. Now, 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 let me say this, and you know I'm a never trumpet. No better friend of Israel than Donald Trump. No better friend. True. And I was listening to Dove Hyken, by the way, who threw me under the bus. Uh, well, no, you better, it. no better friend of Israel than Donald well, Trump. Well, I, I laid out, if you listen to that segment where I did play the Dove Hiking audio, I laid out, Curtis, the four or five things that Donald Trump did for Israel. But you know how this works. It's what have you done for me lately? 
So he did a great job, Israel, the Arab Emirates, him and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. But to sit at Mar-a-Lago with two really potent anti-Semites, what's your excuse? Uh, Let me see. How many Democrats sat with Schooley Louis Farrakhan, sat without Slim Shady Sharpton, sat you with... Really the, yeah, you really yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, come are. on. Let's be honest Will you here. leave Eric out of this? You can't Did I go, mention Eric Adams? No, but you're, 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 in, he's, you're intimating that he did some of those. By the <laughs> way, he was invited to the Rockaways. I wasn't invited. You I, weren't invited? You, you didn't... Who extended an invitation? I would have thought Mike Sullivan, Tom Sullivan, I mean, Joe Murray. You know what I got? Ugats. But I got Pupkis. How was that... Pu- I mean, because they you had, you there. You had Eric Adams coming. So yeah. Eric Adams did not want to have to share no the stage with Curtis no, Lee. First of all, I didn't even see Eric Adams, the mayor. Me and Danielle went home early, so I missed him. Yeah, but the people who were organizing it, you have very dear friends now, your neighbors, they knew he was coming. <laughs> yeah. You better believe they had their little cabala. Say, oh, if you invite Curtis, they'll give him a standing ovation. They'll boo Eric Adams. I voted for you, Curtis, which they did. <laughs> As know. you know, I won that area. Yes, you did. As yes. did Congressman Lee Zeldin. Well, that's why people were asking about you on Saturday. They're like, where's your buddy Curtis? Well, Lee? you better like, talk to your Newfound buddies now. Why did we? They even had Joe Causey out there, who we both love. Joe right. Causey, remember? Right. WKTU, WCBS FM. Everybody loves Joe. But what about Kurt? No, you're right. I'm sorry. Joe actually co-hosted the event with me and Todd Wharton. Excellent. But you should have been there. So uh, and, and I agree Stevie Van Zandt, Schmata Boy was there. <laughs> Right, and you're, you're, please, have Bruce come on, please. I'll throw Trump under the bus. Anything you ask. Well, wait, where is this? There's no connection you're gonna between You're going to be like Howard Stern all of a sudden. Oh, oh, I hate Trump. I hate Trump. Well, what is wrong there with you, There is no said? connection between Donald Trump and Bruce Springsteen. I'm angry with Trump because he's decided to meet with anti-Semites, and I've loved Bruce Springsteen my whole life, even though he did stab Donald Trump said, in the back. I don't care. If all of a sudden Stevie Van Zandt called you up, schmata boy, and said, <laughs> Bruce will do it, but you must renounce Donald Trump. What are you going to do, Sid? I'll denounce Donald Trump in you two see what seconds. I say? You see what, what I'm saying? This is Springsteen. Oh, my God. And what did he say? He said nothing. <laughs> he <laughs> sat there with Howard Stern, said nothing. By the way, what is he charging? $5,000 for his tour up in the nosebleed section? I would know. Oh, the working class hero. I, I wouldn't know. I 1% get my, uh, Rumson. I get my tickets for free. I'm a massive yeah, superstar. Yeah, you're, you're a schnorrer. You're a schnorrer. <laughs> I don't care that you got to pay for my ferry home every day. I don't care you have to pay for Bruce Springsteen tickets. Uh, earn the right, like I do, to do the these things for free. Now, also, you mentioned I'm an enemy of Joe Burley. Can yes, I give are. him a shout out? Can I give him a Uh oh. It's Black Friday, but New York City is still in the red thanks to Biden's border crisis. 26,000 illegals here costing us a billion. That was a brilliant piece he sent out. Brilliant. Absolutely spot I'm, I'm on. Waiting, I'm waiting for you to say something nasty afterwards. No. Now. Uh, that, that was brilliant. Okay, so I'm on board with that in just solidarity. Giving, you're just giving Joe Borelli credit. Right, you know me. I, I could be your friend, and within 24 hours, I'm, I'm your foe. No. Oh, you? yeah, I'm putting my boots to the back of your head in the schoolyard. You know how it is in the old school. I got to give credit where credit was due. That's, okay. That was brilliant. Now, what, what do you need Joe Borelli for that you decided now to bury this? Because no. he did call you an ingrate, which is a really, really rough Rough adjective. I thought it was incest. I was a product of incest or something like that. You know, hey, hey, look, I go from day to day. Okay. If we're joined in solidarity to stop the flow of illegal aliens into our city, it's costing us a billion dollars. I'm with you. But wait a second. Mayor Eric Adams is upset about it also. Oh, really? Yes. We're paying for it, right? What happened to his friend? Hey, Papa Chula, Joe Biden. <laughs> hey, who's your daddy? Come across the well, board. Now, now he has distanced himself, as you have noticed. 
from Biden and the last two weeks has called out the Democrats me, more who, than once. Who's paying the bills now, right? They're staying at the Watson Hotel, $848 a night for a room. You know who's paying that bill? You said me. All the taxpayers here and people who travel Hold in on. here, the few who travel to work. But Let me text the mayor. I don't yeah, yeah, pay text the mayor. You're very yeah. dear friend now, right? By like, the way, are you going to Qatar with him for three days? Maybe. He's going to see World Cup to learn how to do security. Yeah, pal. The security we need in the subways in the streets that you've ignored. <laughs> what are you doing in the Rockaways there? We got crime in the subways in the streets. Did he take the A train out there? I don't did think he, he take did. No. The A train I think back? he took a helicopter with Santa Claus. I'll bet you he did. <laughs> By the way, why don't you go to Qatar with him? Spend three I may. days there. I may. Who's paying for that? We're I, paying for well, that. Well, listen, I got to see if Tom Shapiro sends me an invite. I don't oh, know. Oh, Tom Shapiro. I'm, next, year I'm going, next year I'm going to Puerto Rico with the uh, with the mayor. Now let me make mention <laughs> that I'm here in solidarity with you. I have just castigated you. I have just basically given you a pimp slap. But we're brothers in solidarity for Tom Sullivan. No better decent human being in the world. Everybody agrees. Even his opponents, the Democrats, if you ask you, say, oh, the greatest Republican we've ever met. Well, let me go on then and state some of the things he's done. Just emphasize your point, Curtis. Tom Sullivan served in, in not just one, but Iraq. Afghanistan and Kuwait, three of them. Not only that, but he was there on 9-11, happened to be inside the building. He worked there and literally threw people on his shoulder and dragged them out. They survived the 9-11 attacks. Tom Sullivan did all this. His competitor, Stacey Amato, her claim to fame, her father was a judge and her mother an assemblywoman. She's done nothing for anybody her whole life. Exactly. And Tom Sullivan, I mean, we overuse the term hero. You open up Webster's Dictionary, you look for hero, his picture is right next to it. I like that. And I had the pleasure of campaigning with him, not just this time, but when he ran uh, against the other product of nepotism, Joe Adabo, who was the son of the congressman. The bridge is named after him from Howard Beach, the Broad Channel. And that was back in 2018. And I will tell you that Tom Sullivan received endorsements from people like Peter King and Dove Hykend. But he was really excited when you came to Rockaway more than once yes. and uh, paraded with him in his truck and, and the float, of course, as well. So Tom Sullivan and the Rockaways, the fine people there, love themselves some Curtis Sleeper. But this is the problem. He won the election fair and square against Stacey Pfeiffer Amato, product of nepotism. She's been there for three terms as assemblywoman, free franking privilege, free everything, and she couldn't win the vote. What does that tell you? After her mother... Audrey Pfeiffer was there 12 times, 1987 to 2001. It's like legacy. She couldn't win the election fair and square. On election night, 246 votes plus out of a total of about 32,245 votes that have been cast. He's the winner, Tom Sullivan. But, oh, no. What did the Democratic Crooked County Organization do? Stop. Hold on a second. We need to count these absentee votes in these mail-ins. So Tom Sullivan says, no problem. And so it goes before the Board of Election, in which you have both Democrats and Republicans there, and they say, these are invalid. Many of them, they don't even have a postmark. They could have been brought in overnight. They're not sealed. They're not signed. It's like some schlub. Half in the bag was filling them out, all with the same (laughs) signature. So both sides throw them out. So what does Audrey Pfeiffer do for her daughter? Because she's the county clerk now, right? The county clerk, which is a member of the body of the state Supreme Court. It was part of, by virtue, every decision. She's their consigliere. 
we have to bring this to the state Supreme Court. We need a judge to make the decision. Well, let me see. How do you become a state Supreme Court judge? 14 years in office, right? You get appointed by the crooked county machine. Who are they going to be uh, obliged to help? Oh, Stacy. Right. The Not account- our friend Tom Sullivan. Right. The county Not the machine. real American hero. Do you know what it takes to become a state Supreme Court judge? $100,000 at the annual county dinner. You buy the table. They anoint you a judge. You're a little pisher. You're a little schmendrick running around the courthouse looking for work. Nobody wants you as a lawyer. Even a guy who's stuck on Rikers Island says, I hear you're a <laughs> schmendrick. You're a pisher. $100,000. We make you a judge. We put you in black regal robes, right? They are indebted to Audrey Pfeiffer, to the crooked county Democratic machine. And Audrey is 80 years old, right? Right? Joe Biden is 80 years old. You think it's time, Audrey, to retire? (laughs) And who is her domestic partner? Glenn Riddell. And who is Glenn Riddell? President and legislative chair of the New York State Supreme Court of Officers Association. This is the the nepotism here may be be unmatched. It's in the bag. I mean, the mother, the father, the husband, it is in the bag. It's stolen the election. Tom Sullivan is the assemblyman. I won that district in the mayoral election. Yes. Lee Zeldin won that district in the gubernatorial election. Everybody knows Tom. He would have gotten more votes than I did in the mayoral election in that district, and Zeldin got in the governor's election. So you're going to tell me he's losing? No. And all of a sudden, Democrats and Republicans together said, wait a second, you can't count these ballots. There is no postmark. They could have been delivered overnight. But here's my – first of all, he's not losing. Uh, Last I heard, he's actually up three votes, three but I was told that because of all those discrepancies you're talking about, Curtis, you know that better than me about this, that they were going to give these people an opportunity to fix them. And if, in fact, they fix them, then Stacey will get the votes she needs to go past Tom, which is cheating. Uh, this is not like a rabbi and a moyo fixing you with a breast. <laughs> this is a cure. They call it a cure. Hey, Frank, you work for the Department of Sanitation. You like your job, Frank? You're going to cure your ballot, Frank. (laughs) I see you scribble Tom Sullivan's name in. You're going to cross it off. And let me spell it out for you. Stacey Pfeiffer. How do you spell that again? (laughs) P-H-E-F-F-E. In fact, your handwriting is so bad, we're going to send somebody over there who's going to block print it in for you. And if you don't, you know that pension of yours? You know all those extra incentives you have sitting on your butt? Back in the sanitation barn, forget that. Oh, I'll cure it right now. This is not like curing a ham. (laughs) No. This is fixing an election. Uh, No question. And you know when this happens? Thursday. Thursday in state Supreme Court, the fix will be in. We need to stand with Tom Sullivan. We need to do. Stop. Everybody needs to watch this fix. Everyone agreed he was the winner. Democrats and Republicans together say, Tom, you were the best man. You won the election. And then all of a sudden. Audrey Fife said, no, my little pretty, I'm the county clerk. I'm friends with all the state Supreme Court justices. We have lunch every day. We're going to court. How? How ungodly yeah, is terrible. It is terrible. I did see, uh, thank you for that, by the way, because as you know, the Sullivan family are friends with the Rosenbergs for the better part of 43 years. Michael, Brian, Thomas, Danny, Russ, all of them. Their father was a great New Yorker, great Police detective John Sullivan, Brennan and Carr, of course, legendary roast beef restaurant. They own that, too. They're a great New York family. Joanne Ariola, 
was actually there Saturday, too. I introduced her on stage for a couple of minutes. She had her two grandsons there. What is your relationship with Joanne compared to Vicky Palladino these days? <laughs> Joanne, how are you? Right? Now what? Now what? Joanne, She's a fine woman. She replaced let me Eric say, Ulrich. Let me tell you. Let she me replaced tell you. Eric Ulrich. Let me tell you. Down the road in yeah. the real Irish Riviera, Breezy Point, <laughs> is a great man called Bob Turner. That's where Tom Sullivan lives, and I've met Bob Turner at Mike Sullivan's house many times. He is a great man. Bob Turner, unfortunately, lost his wife. He was so dedicated to it, devastated him. He came out to support me in this election. You know what your friend Joanne Ariola and Eric Ulrich Uh-oh. did? <laughs> Bob Turner was the congressman. Yeah. He won the seat of Anthony Weiner, right? Almost impossible to do. Yeah. A Republican winning the Democratic seat. He served honorably. He was the county chairman. He was doing a great job. And so one day, Joanne Ariola and Eric Ulrich says, "Uh, Bob, why don't you come in? We're going to have a meeting. Uh Uh-oh. The Ides of March. They took out the long knives. They left them bleeding out on the floor. They took over the Queen's Republican Party. They disparaged this hero. Bob Turner, they took it over. And then you know what? What? There was Nicole Maliotakis. She was ready to run against Bill de Blasio. And who did they give their nomination to? Your friend, Bo Deedle, which mucked it up for Nicole Maliotakis what? for a while. Yes. You see, you don't know about what goes on behind those, no, those curtains. No, I know all these uh, stories. But I, I refuse to talk about them because these are my friends. So. Yeah, by the way, how's Eric Ulrich doing, your neighbor? <laughs> huh? well, I don't know. How did he's did doing. he show up? Was he wearing a wire? Was he saying, hey, talk into my lapel here, please? I don't know. Have a conversation in my lapel here. Somebody asked me this weekend, they're like, he has a really attractive girlfriend. I don't know if you ever met her, but she's a big liberal, by the way. In fact, when I met her on the bagel store, she was wearing a Kathy Hochul shirt. Really pretty girl. They're like, she must be gone. Like, once Eric Ulrich doesn't have that power of government anymore. Why would she stay with him? I don't have the answer to that. Who appointed him buildings commissioner in the most crooked agency of all city agencies? That's like putting the the fox in the chicken coop. Your newfound friend, Eric (laughs) Adams, you know, he might not have stopped over at your house when he texted him, but I bet you he stopped over at his very dear friend Eric Ulrich's house, right? Which is right next door. You're brilliant, Curtis. Uh, Every time you come in, I don't know how you do it, but it gets better. And better. Oh, we got to say, better. we got to help Tom Sullivan. We will. Thursday. Well, are you going to come out to Rockland on Thursday then and be out there with me? Let me tell you something. I yeah. didn't get invited on Saturday. <laughs> Your so-called friend there decide we're not going to invite Curtis, who everyone loves out here. That's true. Because that would offend Eric Adams. You know that was the decision. I, I don't know that. No, no, do, do not. Why did you ask him the question? Why don't you defend me and my honor, huh? Because it doesn't make sense for me to do that, Curtis. Look, I'm you're sorry. the guy who would throw Donald Trump under the bus if Bruce Springsteen would come in here and do an interview with you. You're a fair-weather friend, Sid Rosenberg. Curtis Sliwa, 12-15 to 1 every weekday afternoon, all weekend long here on WABC. That's why he's an oh, icon, a radio Irene legend. Cara. Love Irene Cara Did from you the Bronx. Her? Oh, yeah. so good. But, but she never should have taken her shirt off in, in the movie Fame. That killed her. Flash dance, flash dance. Was it flash dance? Oh, well, you, you don't know. To you, they're all the same. <laughs> right? You went to all these discos, right? You I heard did. this song. You yeah. danced to this song. Yeah. But you weren't like me, man. A whirling dervish on the dance floor. I, uh, well, I was told by my late friend Bernard, God rest his soul, that uh, not only were you not a whirling dervish, not exactly Denny Terrio, but he said often when I watch Curtis dance, I ask myself, did he miss the polio vaccine? Uh, <laughs> let me tell you this. I would tell the women that I would dance with as I would do uh, the bump to Patty Duke, uh, the hustle. <laughs> And the grind, I would say, you better go for a pregnancy test in the morning. 
They would say, but we were dancing on the floor. Yeah. When I did the grind with yeah. you, yeah. you better go for a pregnancy test. That sounds like Tracy Morgan. That's a great Curtis Lewa, folks. Still a lot more to come. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. And which Lowry this hour alone at 7 a.m. hour with Sid Rosenberg. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. But first, many timeshare owners are very upset because their yearly dues have nearly doubled. Well, Lone Star will guarantee the release of all liability to your timeshare in writing and in a specific time frame. With their A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau, clients know that Lone Star Transfer is a company you can trust. For a free consultation, please go to LoneStarTransfer.com or call 855-551-7066. On this Monday, as I have been reporting, it is going to be a very strange year in 2023. That is because the Democrats are trying to destroy Donald Trump once and for all, and the Republicans are trying to destroy Joe Biden once and for all. Those parallel investigations, one by a special counsel, the Democrats, and one by House committees, the Republicans, will wreak havoc on our political process. There will be leaks every day about what Trump did on January 6th, about what Biden did with his son Hunter. It will be very hard to ascertain the truth, because all the leaks will be anonymous, and the corrupt national press will put them out there with no scrutiny. We will not do that. We are giving both Trump and Biden the presumption of innocence, which is the core of our justice system. But as we all know, that's disappeared in our culture now. A headline makes you guilty. An allegation ruins careers. Not here. But believe me, I am on this. I am going to watch what the special counsel does and what the Republican House committee does. And I will report to you honestly. Now this. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. (laughs) Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. The rhetoric during the campaign was, uh, you know, kind of sobering and discouraging, you know, taking us back to kind of Willie Horton uh, era Stop. politics. So encouraging to see the response, but more more broadly, our, 
uh, our body politic, both throughout our state and nationally, it's, it's sobering and discouraging um, that we are we are still uh, seeing what we saw during the campaign. So, well, you used a, a very charged historical reference there, Willie Horton. Will you go a little deeper into that? Sure, and, and I know you you have an astute listenership, so that we'll, we'll call that 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 time period and the 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 ad there and how. Uh, really, race was weaponized, um, and and look, we have significant public safety issues uh, in Manhattan, in the state, and nationally. Um, I know that I'm living them. I raised my family here. As I said, I've been here all 49 of my years. Uh, but we've got to talk about them in a sober, fact-driven way and about reality, uh, and not. I mean, if you looked at the, um, you know, those ads, which I tried to not watch, but they were appeared to be ubiquitous. Uh, there were times where I was the only black face, uh, and um, one has to ask whether that was intentional, whether uh, what the message being sent was. Let's talk about the work we're doing in the office um, every day and not just have, you know, rote uh, tropes uh, from years gone by. That's that racist POS. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, what a real piece of shizzle. My God, bringing up Willie Horton. I was the only black face. Let me explain something to you, stupid. You stupid bastard. Lee Zeldin ran against Kathy Hochul. She's a white woman. He was every bit as critical of Kathy. Oh, let me guess. Now he's a sexist too, right? Because he was critical of a woman. What you've done has nothing to do with your color. There was no rhetoric based on your color. The problem with you, Alvin Bragg, is is you operate on a daily basis based on your color, not us. You're the guy who wants to make sure that less and less black people go to prison. You're the guy, Alvin Bragg, who wants to make sure that less and less black people stay in prison. We don't give a rat's ass. Black, white, yellow, green, you commit a crime, you go to jail. This whole bail nonsense, cashless bail, is based upon keeping black people out of prison. If you don't think so, you're somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter. You, Alvin Bragg, are the racist, not Lee Zeldin. So to sit there on the Brian Lehrer show and talk about that when misdemeanors are up in a huge way in this city, when felonies are up in a huge way in this city, when subway crime is keeping people out of our city on a daily basis, nobody wants to come to work in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, because you work here. You. So easy for a black man today to sit there and claim I'm doing a lousy job because everybody else is racist. Lee Zeldin, racist. Nonsense. Lee Zeldin served in Iraq with black people. Do you know that? Alvin, did you know that? You are such an embarrassing piece of garbage. My God, this city gets what they deserve. So glad I don't live here anymore. I really am. And these people that vote for you, you know why they voted for you? Because you are black. That's the new thing, folks. We vote based on color. We vote based on gender. 
We no longer vote based on merit. We don't care whether you do a good or a bad job. If you're black or you're a woman or you're gay, you're my choice. There's no other way to have any logical explanation as to why, A, Alvin, you won that position, and B, Alvin, you're still there, other than the governor is a bigger waste than you are, which she is. Embarrassing, Alvin Bragg. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Incoming oversight chair, uh, James Comer, told Punchbowl News in an interview, I don't believe congressional investigations have a whole lot of credibility now. I blame Adam Schiff for that. But it's also both parties to blame for investigations in the past. I want to change that. What's your response? Well, Comer doesn't believe in the Russian investigation. He doesn't believe in the Ukraine investigation. He doesn't believe in the investigation of January 6th. And why? Because those were investigations of the serial abuse of power by Donald Trump. Uh, and Comer and Jordan and McCarthy will do nothing but carry Donald Trump's water. Someone, as you point out, who's sitting down for dinner with anti-Semites, uh, who's sitting down for dinner with, with bigots, who won't condemn them. Um, this is who they're making common cause with. And so they will do and, what, and they will say what they need to get along with Donald Trump. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love tonight. You got another detestable person there. Fresh off Alvin Bragg, that's Adam Schiff. State of the Union, courtesy, I guess, of CNN. That's Jake Tapper's show. But what he said about Donald Trump may, in fact, be true. I did play Dove Hikind. At the very top, Dove Hyken was a Donald Trump supporter, but now he's turned his back on Trump. In fact, he really maligned Donald Trump yesterday after Trump decided to meet with uh, Yi, Kanye West, and some other anti-Semite at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend. And now, as if you could afford to have this happen, more Donald Trump supporters are running away. With that said, my next guest does a great job every Monday morning on this show. I love him. The editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC contributor, Yankee fan, all-around great guy, my friend Rich Lowry. Rich, uh, happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving. How are you, buddy? Same to you. Good. It was good to hear you and Curtis together. Every, every, I was kind of wondering about your relationship because every time I listen to Curtis, he's ragging on you. <laughs> I think he'll, he'll never forgive you for not shooting Eric Adams in the face. <laughs> you, know, you, you say that kind of jokingly, but every day from 12 to 15 to 1, he talks about me. That's his whole thing. I know, but, I know. Yeah, but no, he's great. Him and I are very close. I mean, he, he, he's not happy about me and Adams. I can promise you that. But yeah, yeah. He, he figures out a way to make it uh, part of the <laughs> shtick. But let's get to uh, Adam Schiff there. Before we get to Trump, let's start with McCarthy, right? He's got to get to 218 if, in fact, he's going to hold that elevated position as uh, the majority speaker. Where are we late in the latest uh, with that number, with with, with McCarthy taking over that position? Well, I I mean, 
technically, he, he doesn't have the votes. Not technically. I mean, he doesn't have the votes as a, a matter of reality. You have, uh, I don't know what the number is now, five or more who said no, and, and uh, I think more than five are saying no, and, and he can't afford to drop that many. So I still think he gets there just because it would be a total fiasco and debacle, and there's no good alternative. And if he, he can't get 218, th- there's no one else who's going to get to 218. Right. So this is really the way we're going to start the, the Republican takeover of the House when they're like a million more important things with this this uh, I- idiotic internal meltdown. You know, some people don't like Kevin McCarthy. I, I get it. No one's perfect. But you're not really coming up with a better alternative. So I, I don't get it. I assume he'll he'll get there somehow. It's just a little hard to see at the moment. Well, how long do you think it would take for him to get there? He'll just have to uh, negotiate and and see if he can placate yeah. enough folks, and hopefully it happens yeah. before you're you're you know with doing it on openly on the House floor. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like Schiff said, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar and Matt Getz, those are the types of folks that will kind of get McCarthy. Uh, over the top. I do love what Kevin said last week. A, when he talked about impeaching Mayorkas, I love that. Investigating the Bidens, I love that. He talked about taking Adam Schiff off of the Intel Committee, mm-hmm. I love that. Removing Omar, that uh, anti-Semite from the Foreign Policy Committee, I love that. I know I'm missing one more on the Intel Committee, but he basically talked about uh, getting rid of all these Democrat losers. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Eric Swalwell. Right, Swalwell. Right. So yeah, so you know they they kicked a bunch of uh, Republicans off, or at least Marjorie Taylor Greene. And he said, okay, you've you've created the president, you've opened the door, and we're going to do this. And we talked about last week. I mean, Adam Schiff doesn't belong a hundred miles within uh, any committee that has any investigative responsibility whatsoever, <laughs> given his given his record and. He can't defend it. He hates to be challenged on it. And as far as I, I can see, you play that clip from him, this this guy, James Comer, who's coming in, um, is sounded totally responsible. He's like, you know, we're going to have a Hunter Biden investigation, but it's not a Hunter Biden investigation. It's a Joe Biden investigation. It'll be into the, the how this was a family business and how corrupt it was. That seems totally above board. And uh, they're going to investigate COVID origins as, as they should. And there's a, another a, a bunch of topics that they can and should get into. Adam Schiff did mention Donald Trump in that piece on State of the Union. I have remained with Donald. Uh, some of my best friends, people like Peter King, Bo Deedle, you know, Rich, you listen. Yep. They have tried to sway me the last couple of weeks. Get away from Trump. He's going to kill us. You know, we want a Republican to win. He can't win. He's become really divisive and nasty and no good. Run to a guy like DeSantis. And I'm like, no, no, I still think Trump gives us our best chance to win. But now... Now, as a very proud Jewish male in this country, for him to sit with Kanye West, and I don't care what the reason was. I don't care. You cannot sit with somebody who has spent the last five or six weeks parading themselves as the quote-unquote anti-Semite of the year. What in God's name is Donald Trump thinking? Yeah, so it so has Kanye. It has this guy, Nick Fuentes, this, this young neo-Nazi type. I mean, it, it, he had everyone except for Kyrie Irving. And maybe Farrakhan, too. He should have called him, too. But, I mean, oh, I mean, he's got a son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who's a devout Jew. His daughter, Ivanka, she converted. He's done all these great things for Israel, Donald Trump. What is he thinking? Yeah, so you know, obviously Trump's not an anti-Semite himself. He's he's drawn to fame, and Kanye, for better or worse, mostly worse, I would say, is one of the most famous people on the planet. He just he lost was, two billion dollars. 
He's infamous. Yeah. He's no longer famous. I, I well, I, I, I'm with you, and um, he, he didn't know who this other kid was, I assume, but uh, he won't condemn him since he's learned who he is. So, right. you know, he, he he likes the the flattery, and someone someone flatters him, he's he's not going to attack him. That's his version of loyalty. So, you know, this this is not going to Trump. Trump is a huge huge battleship. This is not going to sink him. But it's a it's another. Uh, you know, it's 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 um, another barnacle on the hole, and uh, you know, it, it has you thinking about it. That that you know, whether you should still be with them, that that's consequential. Yeah, Dove Hiking jumped off, and Hiking loved him a week ago. Loved him. He's gone. So uh, you say it may not sink the ship. It's a huge battleship, but this battleship has taken on a lot of fire, a lot of fire. And almost every week, he does something or says something, or he just angers a whole bunch more people. I just. I'm I'm not sure I'm I'm getting all this. I, I know yeah, he's so running. This and, is a case I'll yeah. make to to you and to uh, other folks who are with him for understandable reasons. You know, the, in 16 he gets 46.1 percent of the popular vote. You know, and and kind of threads the needle. And good for him. I didn't think it was going to happen. It happened. It was really important and good that it happened. And then in 2020 he gets 46.8. So th- there's a ceiling there, 47. And given everything that's happened, you know, you can add this to the list. He's not getting above 47 percent. He's he's at, you know, the best best election day, he's at 46-something. And that's just a really hard way to win, a really hard way to win. And I, I prefer someone at least had a chance to get it, getting 50. <laughs> right. So that, that's why I prefer to look elsewhere. Well, they've got lines already in Georgia for this uh, big runoff, December 6th, Herschel Walker and Warnock. Of course, Republicans hope to grab that and at least go 50-50 rather than 51-49 Democrat. What does it look like to you right now? Any early signs of who may have the upper hand? It just looks looks bad for for Walker to me. You know, as we've discussed, he's a a flawed candidate. You've always been, always been really forthright about that. He had Brian Kemp first time around at the top of the ticket, beating Stacey Abrams, stomping her by eight points or whatever it is. He's not going to have that this time around. He's not going to have the added incentive of Republicans who, who might be wary of him coming out because the the control of the Senate depends on it. So I, I think he's going to lose. So do I. So Thursday morning, I got up and I did what I do every Thanksgiving, Rich. It's a tradition for me. Even though I I talked on Friday, I don't understand what's compelling about Savannah Guthrie or Hoda Kotb. She's a nice lady. Don't get me wrong. Very sweet lady. Like one of my aunts. But I don't know why people would run to watch them on television. But long story short, I still watch the parade every year. It's part of the whole thing. You get three football games. So for the first time, I think, ever, uh, at least as far as I can remember, the president called in to NBC during the parade. Did you happen to see this live? Because I did. I just missed it. You just just missed it. it. All right, so if you missed it, this is unbelievable. You're going to hear the NBC reporter say hello to President Joe Biden and his dopey wife, Jill, and then you're going to hear a long, awkward silence. If you missed it, this was live NBC Thanksgiving Day parade. The president called in. I'm sure now he wishes he hadn't. Drew, how are you? We're fine. We're fine. You're your no, no, that's not the one. That's the wrong <laughs> one. He, he said, we're oh, fine, we're you. fine. I, I want the one, the uncut one. That's why you got to listen to this stuff first, guys. There's one that's uncut where for 30 seconds he doesn't answer her. You have that ready to go now, Lou? Try that one. I think I got the right one. Go ahead. And what are your plans for Thanksgiving after the parade? I forgot the wrong one again. Okay, thank you. Anyway, uh, for 30 seconds. We love you anyway, Lou. Yeah, thanks. It, it's, it's not Lou's fault. It's Justin okay, and we, Phil. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but here the president for 30 seconds doesn't respond to the NBC reporter. Yeah. It was really, really bad. 
Yeah, so I, I have a piece about this on our website right now. It's just so reckless to even consider renominating this guy. If, if you're a Democrat, one, just for your own interest, how, how can you guarantee something terrible is not going to happen during a general election campaign that just demonstrates to everyone that he's unsuited for the job now? How do you know that's not going to happen? I mean, there's some percentage chance that's going to happen. I don't know what it, the odds are, but it's possible. And then the, the idea that we're going to have him president of the United States for a second term between ages 82 and 86. You know, what are the odds? They're, they're pretty high probably at that point. That we're going to have a 25th Amendment crisis. He's going to pass away in office. Aye, aye, aye. It would be terrible for the country. <laughs> terrible. And it's only because they're looking at Kamala Harris that they're even considering this as a viable alternative because they, they don't think there's any other option. Well, there was another option. And just a couple of days ago, she kind of intimated maybe during her book tour Michelle Obama, that that could still happen. And if it does, and I've I've been on record saying this a million times, she's going to win. They can spend all day, the Republicans, bashing her, how she's talked about white people, all that stuff. If Michelle Obama gets in, she becomes a prohibitive favorite to win the race. And at least I heard something last week that says to me, at the very least, she's considering it. Yeah, well, I, I agree on how powerful she'd be electorally. You know, there's there's some moving parts there. They need to ease ease Biden out, and then she'd actually have to to do it. And I, I think that's the biggest obstacle. I think, uh, you know, she's been there, done that. She's world famous. She doesn't need to, you know, be walking around Iowa eating a pork chop on a stick at the <laughs> state fair, which which is uh, nothing against it. But uh, she doesn't need to do it. <laughs> um, so so I kind of doubt she would she would pull the trigger at the end of the day. Last one. Uh, on the parade, on the parade, by the yeah. way, I thought where you're going to go is they had this queer band. I saw that. So you, so yeah. you have people with kids all across America watching this, and they, they hear the phrase like uh, every gender identifying group or something. So, you, you know, you don't, want, you don't want your kids say, Mom, Dad, what does that mean? I, 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 I don't know. Maybe that's why Disney brought Bob Iger back to, to uh, restore some of the normalcy that we were used to when you could actually say, Hello, little girl. Hello, little boy. Yeah. But and uh, their latest movie is a flop. Um, oh, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah no, their stock is uh, just a mess. Last one. Are you nervous that Aaron Judge will sign somewhere else? I know the Dodger meeting didn't go very well, but mm-hmm. are you convinced Aaron Judge stays in the Bronx? Yeah. 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 I, I think so. A, a friend of mine who's a Giants fan sent me something, a, a tweet when he was out there. Someone mocked him up in a Giants uniform. And I have to say, it looks pretty good in a Giants uniform. A Giants <laughs> uniform is an iconic baseball uniform, yeah. very classic. But I, I think he'll still be in pinstripes. All right. Listen, as always, Rich Lowry, you're not good on a Monday. You're great right. on a Monday. Appreciate it. Have a great week. You're welcome. Week. You too, buddy. Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review. Political NBC contributor does his best work right here with me, 740 every Monday morning. Still lots more to do next hour. How about this? John Katsimatidis, Lydia Serrani, Gordon Chang, 9 o'clock hour, Joe Borelli, Carol Markowitz, and your phone calls. Only halfway done. Keep it right here with the outfield and me, Sid Rosenberg. And sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Consumers spent more than $9 billion online on Black Friday, according to Adobe Analytics. That's a record high, but up just over 2% from last year. Important caveat to note due to soaring inflation, many spent more but received less.
CBS News reporting record uh, numbers for a Black Friday, but they spent more and received less. <laughs> if anybody could appreciate that, he is uh, in the retail business as well as the oil and energy business, as well as owning this radio station. Does a tremendous show every weekday afternoon at 5 p.m. Cats at night and a great show Sunday mornings as well, 8 a.m. The Cats Roundtable. And most importantly, along with his beautiful wife, Margot, has become one of my best friends, not just my boss, but a dear friend, the great John Katz and Matides. John, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning. Good morning. I heard you have a great weekend. And uh, the most important question we were at, me and uh, when we were doing your show on Thursday, the most important question, did you have dark meat turkey or white meat turkey? <laughs> that was a funny exchange between me, you, and Dominic Carter when I called in live on Thursday. Are we talking about your women or your turkey? But I did have, <laughs> I did have white meat turkey. And uh, Danielle made a beautiful dinner. It was just the three of us, John, because Ava's in Wales in college. But it was a lovely day. We watched all three football games, had great desserts, and I came in on Friday, did a really good show, and here we are again on a Monday morning. But you heard that CBS News little clip there about Black Friday. Today, of course, is Cyber Monday. People still shopping. What was it like in your retail stores the last couple of days or leading up to the holidays? Well, we were very busy, and uh, but, but the question mark is uh, when they said that Black Friday was up 2%. To keep it simple for people to understand is if inflation was 10% and you were only up 2%, that means you took 10 minus 2, you took home 8% less products. Isn't that a simple way to say it? No, very simple. That's because uh, it's, it's so hard to understand. You know, economics, a lot of folks, John, don't really get it until it really you know hits them in the pocketbook. And even then... They don't really understand the minutia and all the stuff that goes into it. So that does explain it. So with that said, you know, last week I had both Ron and Sana and Monica Crowley on this show. And both, without any hesitation, said we are heading into a recession. And it may be a pretty bad recession. It may be three or four months down the road. But it is coming. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Do you share that opinion? Uh, yes and no. Uh, America doesn't seem like they want to go into a recession. I mean, the Washington, and I don't want to mention names, Washington is working very hard to put us into a recession. Uh, but uh, unemployment is at an all-time low. Now you're going to have uh, layoffs in the tech division. But they're looking for excuses uh, why they're going to lose so much money because the accountants won't sign off on it. In other words, if Amazon's going to lose $10 billion, and that's what the projection is, uh, they're looking for who to blame. And guess who they're blaming? They're blaming Alexa. Right. They said, oh, we're going to write off $10 billion in Alexa. <laughs> now, anybody, now, anybody that wants to believe that, you can believe that. But they, 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 you know, they built too much. They overexpanded, and uh, they capitalized everything, and the accountants allowed them to capitalize everything. In other words, to, not to write it off as a loss, but write it off as future business uh, when you capitalize. And uh, I guess they're just looking for some place to point the finger and say, okay, that's that finger. But the truth is that some of these companies uh, were losing cash, and they didn't realize why. And now they're just—they know they're going to have to 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 report the losses. 
So they're looking at some place to blame. Got it. This is John. Yep. I got it. John Katz and Matidis. Katz at night, 5 p.m. weekdays and Katz roundtable, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. You know, John, uh, I had you on a couple of times when Elon Musk was considering buying Twitter. Like Donald Trump actually leveled him. He's like, ah, he's not a good businessman. He ain't going to figure it out. Now, including Donald Trump, a lot of big time businessmen are saying Elon Musk, if he decides to sell Twitter down the road, is going to double his money. I mean, I'm hearing all kinds of crazy numbers. Do you believe that's the case with Twitter? I think Elon Musk is a very smart guy. Uh, why should Facebook be worth seven hundred uh, billion dollars and Twitter at that time is worth forty billion? I mean, the number is too, the number is the difference is too much. And, uh, Twitter was the worst run company in the world. If you had to pick a, a, a bad company that's run badly, it was Twitter. Uh, and if by, by it, the way, by the way, I would say before Twitter. It may have been the way Cumulus ran this radio station. Thank God you came in on your white horse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Twitter, Elon Musk is a smart guy, and uh, he's going to, uh, I would say, double or triple his money eventually. Wow. Uh, wow. And, and, but, but they're trying to screw him. They're trying to say, oh, uh, he's against this and he's against that. Uh, maybe we'll pull our advertising. Now, the first one to say that initially and then they withdrew that was General Motors. Now, let me tell you about General Motors. My opinion that if they're promising Washington they're going to have 100% electric cars by 2030, 2035, how, how did Trump used to say it? They're full of crap. Right. <laughs> American people don't want electric cars. Right. Hey. Do we, should we give them a choice of having electric cars? Absolutely. Everybody should have a choice of whatever they need. You want an electric car? God bless you. But don't force the American people to do that, and that's what Washington is, is doing. The other thing they're doing, they hate. Remember, they hate fossil fuel companies. They hate oil companies. They're, they're, they're having the SEC go after the banks that lend to oil companies. It's called that with the... Uh, uh, environmental ESG policy or whatever, right, something right, like that. Right, and, and 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 that's wrong. They're having the EPA go after the uh, uh, the oil companies, and now all of a sudden, last week, you know what Biden did? I'm going to guess. Yeah. I'm going to guess that. What Biden did last week, talking about oil, and again, this is your game. Nobody knows more about this than you. But if you're upset, I'm going to guess that Biden allowed Chevron to start pumping oil in Venezuela, run by a murderous dictator in Maduro. Is that where you're going? Yes. Uh, he's opening up Venezuela. He's allowing Chevron to do it. I mean, and and uh, he's, he gave permission for a Gulf oil terminal for for uh, I think two million barrels a day, but on the Gulf Coast, not for the United States, for export. Jeez, it's so unbelievable. Venezuela maybe used the St. Croix refinery that Venezuela has an interest in, and it's all Venezuelan oil. Now nobody understands why can't we use Texas oil, Oklahoma oil, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota why, oil. Why, why can't we? Oil, why can't Canadian we? Canadian oil. We right. could. And Sid, there will be no recession if we were using North American oil. And the other problem that we're facing right now is the housing industry. 
It's at the lowest uh, starts of uh, in the last 10 years. So the housing industry, the new construction industry for the real estate industry, instead of fixing a problem, if we keep it simple, you can either fix a problem or create another problem. But talk about recession. America doesn't want a recession. The unemployment is at the lowest ever. People want success. The people that don't want success is Washington. Right. So somebody has to, you know, somebody somebody has to explain it to me. What the heck is going on? Now you're going to have Trump's checks and balances. With uh, now uh, 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 Kevin McCarthy is taking over the, uh, hopefully. the Congress. Hopefully, yeah. So hopefully we have some checks and balances, and not everybody's going to do whatever the heck they want. I mean, we have so many problems in the world. We've got to take it one by one. I'm, I'm glad you have Gordon Chang on this morning. There's so many problems in China now. They've got their own problems. Russia has their own problems. I mean, there, there are problems all over the place. And uh, we had uh, the former assistant secretary of the uh, Air Force on last week. We're starting I heard that. to run low. Yep. We're, starting, we're starting to run low on military equipment. And Congress hasn't approved moving faster on creating new ones. So we're taking all our old crap, sending it to Ukraine, and we're running low on bullets, uh, missiles. You you pick it. Mm. You know, maybe maybe I'll have General Keene or General Petraeus. No, you should. You should because let, let's not forget. Yeah, you should because let's not forget of all the things Biden has done wrong, and there has been plenty, including what you just talked about. Now relying on countries like Venezuela for oil. I mean, he's done plenty wrong. Inflation, all these issues. Let's not forget when he got us out of Afghanistan in in, in a brutal way, which ended up getting thirteen of our brave young and women killed in Afghanistan, which he has no excuse for. You know how many millions and millions and millions of dollars of weapons we left behind for the Taliban to use? You believe that? My advice to Donald Trump was tell people, you know, he could be better than Ronald Reagan, and we both know it. He could be better than Ronald Reagan. But tell people what, how good you're going to do don't tell people about how bad the other guys are. Yeah. I don't give a I don't give a crap how bad the other guys are. Just tell people how good you're going to do. And I, I think you know he has to take the high road, and he has to learn how to take the high road if he if 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 people are going to even consider. Well, let's talk about him for a second, because I know you've been listening all morning long. John Katz and Matidis, check him out, 5 o'clock every weekday. Great show, Katz at night, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m., great show, Katz Roundtable. You heard the Dove hiking audio I played earlier. Dove was a big Trump supporter, loved what he did for Israel. He's done with Trump. Uh, guys like Peter King, Bo Deedle, and quite frankly, even me, I'm considering going the other way because how can you possibly make an argument or an excuse for sitting down with a neo-Nazi guy and Kanye West, the anti-Semite of the year, in Mar-a-Lago last weekend? How can Donald Trump, John, do something like that? The truth is, and I'm telling all uh, our million listeners out there, the truth is if I sat down with those two people, I wouldn't recognize them. I wouldn't know who the heck they were. <laughs> but Trump knows who Kanye West yeah, is. No, yeah, well, yeah, but and uh, but he didn't know who was uh, the other person. Was. Okay, so let's excuse, uh, yeah. let, let's excuse the other person. But Kanye West has been on an yeah. anti-Semite tour for a month and a half. Crazy, crazy. 
Well, nobody could call Trump an anti-Semite. No, that's true. Uh, right. Uh, but look, uh, the only, you know who you know who can beat Trump? Who? Trump. <laughs> You're so right about that. You yeah. are. Forget hey, about hey, you're hey, right. Hey, but forget about Michelle Obama. Forget about Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Trump can be Trump. You are so look, right, man. You I, are right. Look, <laughs> I, he's a friend of mine for 40 years, and, and my advice to him is: tell people how good of a job you're going to do. Don't tell people uh, how bad a job the rest of the guys are going to do. That's right. my yep. advice to him. And, and look, whatever will happen, will happen. Yep. Let there be a primary. Let there be uh, everybody stand up, and and whoever the American people want. They'll, they'll, they'll vote for them. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed Gordon Chang, John. I'm going to replay that coming up at 840. It was over two hours ago. It's a very important interview, like you said, about China, Iran, Russia, North Korea, Venezuela, all those uh, major topics, which you actually uh, texted me about last night. Thank you for another great conversation on this show this morning. Your two shows are great. You're great with me. I love you and Margot. Happy holidays. Thank you so much. Well, Merry Christmas. I'll see you at St. Patrick's. Are you going to go Christmas Eve? Yes, 100%. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll sit next to you. Oh, that sounds great. Thank you, John. Thank you. God bless. God God bless bless you. God bless America. Thank you so much. Thank you. There he is, folks. What What a sweet guy. I mean, incredibly successful, incredibly successful, but a sweet guy. Once again, the host, Cats at Night. 5 p.m. every weekday afternoon, Cats Roundtable, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. My friend, the great John Katsimatidis. Still to come this hour, Lydia Serrani and Gordon Chang. And don't forget, next hour, a couple of great interviews with folks like Joe Borelli and Carol Markowitz. It's a big Monday morning show with me, Sid Rosenberg, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Wall Street wrapping up a positive month as November trading ends. The Dow Jones Industrials, a three-day win streak. The S&P and NASDAQ posting gains. Investors this week keeping an eye on retail stocks after the big holiday shopping weekend. Salesforce reports earnings this week. The stock down nearly 7% over the past month, down nearly 40% this year. Salesforce announced sweeping layoffs to make up for slowing demand. Salesforce already cutting its full-year guidance ahead of Wednesday's quarterly report. Apple facing major iPhone 14 shortages. Supplies are reportedly running between 25 to 30% below average for a typical November. China's zero COVID policy causing major production delays at Apple's iPhone manufacturing plant. Apple stock down 18% this year. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. And this report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. You know, Sid, celebrities, they always want to cancel something, especially a brand that doesn't align with their social justice warrior values. You've got Alyssa Milano, you know, <laughs> a.k.a. Sam Maselli, yeah. right? I mean, I loved her. I loved her on Who's the Boss? And then she also hosted that show on Project Runway. Yeah. She came out and Probably she was She was like, also really, really good in the movie Fear with Marky Mark and Reese oh, Witherspoon. Yes, she, she was, was great the in that. Yeah, she was the whole, yeah. exactly. But yeah. I know she, she's like Rob Reiner. She's one of the loudest, most vocal, I hate Trump, I hate Republicans. Alyssa Milano at the very top of the list. 
right? She gave back her Tesla. She tweeted it out. She said she instead bought the Volkswagen electric version. <laughs> she says, I'm not sure how advisors, advertisers can buy space on Twitter, publicly traded companies, products being pushed in alignment with, with hate and white supremacy doesn't seem to be a winning business model. So she says, because Elon Musk promotes uh free speech. He said he would vote for Ron DeSantis. He says he's a moderate Republican. He now apparently is a white supremacist. She's so stupid, though, because a Volkswagen, which is what she bought now, was created in 1937 when the German government, under the control of the Nazi party, formed the state-owned company. So this company was operated by the Nazi organization. Like, and it's like, you want to talk about white supremacy? You you just bought the epitome of a car that was founded upon white supremacy. That's how stupid she is. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. And then now there's all this big controversy, too, about Balenciaga. Remember, we brought up that report. We didn't think oh, it was you real. Did it. To your credit, you brought it up, yes. Oh, no, but I mean, Tucker Carlson brought it. was every. But I, didn't, I couldn't believe this was real. So apparently those teddy bears, the bondage gear, yeah, that yeah. was an actual purse. Oh, it was God. a bag. And there was little kids holding it. And then in the other advertisement, mm. it was a mm. purse, a beautiful purse, by the way. And then sure. underneath it, there was some papers. And when you looked at the papers, it was a court opinion which upheld virtual child pornography so balenciaga is like we didn't know anything about this and we're gonna sue the photographer for 25 million dollars so everybody's like well where are the celebrities that endorse balenciaga especially kim kardashian where is she saying anything to denounce this so she finally came out denounced it said you know anything that harms children i'm a mother of four blah 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 and then people were like okay so what now and then an hour later she tweeted out something again and she said and on her social media she was like as for my future relationship well it remains to be seen how this happens blah 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 so she finally kind of came out against yeah. the brand but kind of didn't i kind of like but like, i kind of like her though i mean no she i you do know, i like kim kardashian yeah i mean she she was the one who went to donald trump years ago and Got Alice Johnson out of prison. Poor Alice Johnson was in prison forever for, like, having a bag of weed, you know. So she's done some good things on the social side. And people tend to hate her because a sex tape met her a multi-multi-multi-multi-millionaire. But, but uh, she should just sever that relationship 100% and move on. Absolutely. So I have an interesting connection to Kim Kardashian. So her makeup artist, Mario Dedivanovic, he's from the Bronx, right? And now he's a big superstar himself. He has his own makeup line. His mother, Yulia, and my mother used to ride the train together because they were both cleaning ladies. So this guy is now like a multi-multi-millionaire because he started working with Kim Kardashian. Yet his mother, like my mom, is a cleaning lady. I still know his mom, Yulia. I'm friends with his uh, sister, Marina. They are the nicest people, and they say that Kim Kardashian couldn't be the more sweeter, kinder, and supportive I of Mario's it. career. I buy it. I yeah, really do. She's I buy the it. nicest. Yeah. They're like, I'm telling you, there's not like a mean yeah. bone in her body. I believe she it. She treats everybody the same. She's not a diva. And so when I hear it, when people bash Kim Kardashian, I think about like, you know, uh, his brother went to high school with me. So this is like small little Albanian Bronx connection. And she was very supportive of it. She even learned a couple words in Albanian. And she, she is a good person. I mean, I think she's a good she person. She is a good because- person. Look, again, she took advantage. You know, she made a sex tape and, and uh, she got a reality show. And for all the folks out there that hate her, I mean, the joke's on you. I mean, what do you want her to do? You know, her sisters are multi-billionaires already. The, the Bruce Jenner kids, whatever her name is now, Caitlyn Jenner. But uh, I don't hate on people who, who, uh, who turn out to be huge successes because they just did, because Americans buy it. I understand she doesn't do anything on a daily basis that really matters. 
but there's enough folks out there that like it. They don't become millionaires for no reason. Uh, it's because they are popular, and, and folks tend to watch it or buy it. So good for her. And plus, she's got a great ass. Did I just say that? Lewis, uh, you want to take that out? <laughs> Uh-oh, you're, you're, in, you're in trouble. Uh-oh. And then, oh, here's Danielle and, texting me now. <laughs> oh. And then her ex, by the way, if we're going to talk about pop culture, Pete Davidson was seen seated beside saw that. Emily Emrata. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rajadowski, that's the girl from the Blurred Lines video. And there's all this uproar on social media. They were at the Knicks game courtside, and everybody's like, how does this guy get these gorgeous it's girls? True. It's true. I mean, you got to think like, about how- it. He, Emily R. now, Kim Kardashian, for a long time, he shocked up with Ariana Grande. How is that possible? The list goes on and on. Now, everybody you know says he's the charming. same thing is because he's, he's really funny. That's what they say. Yeah, he's charming. He's funny. He's sweet. And that goes a long way, Sid. I know everybody's trying to say he's hung like a tripod. But <laughs> I did hear that, trouble. too. No, no, you're now in I'm trouble. In... Yes, nobody did hear yeah. the same thing. Yes. Uh, Ralph Napolitano checks in. He's a very smart guy, my buddy. He says if Balenciaga had an ad campaign that offended LGBT community, every yes. celebrity would cut ties and boycott. But... If you put pedophilia on a pedestal, not a peep. Disgusting. He's exactly right. And Balenciaga wants to pretend like they didn't know what the photographer was doing. The photographer actually spoke out and said, listen, they knew what I was doing. They gave me free reign. They said, do whatever you want. And it has to go quite up high the chain. This was published everywhere in all their social media accounts. So now they want to blame the photographer. They thought it was cool. He's 100% right. They wanted to put pedophilia on a pedestal. They think it's cool. They want to keep pushing the envelope. And I I, I know this is early in the morning. It's 832. But seriously, they want to make pedophilia acceptable. I, maybe that sounds a little crazy on my part, but they want to make every other sexual deviation uh, to, to normalize. I think they want to make that normal, too. <laughs> I, I'm being serious. I, when we're talking about changing, changing genders and binary this and 131 genders, what's to say they don't want to normalize kids being sexualized? I don't know. I, I, I don't have doing. an answer. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's what they were doing. But this report, again, is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. They have the best seafood, the best service. It's right there in Midtown Manhattan. You can't get better seafood and better service anywhere than the Seafire Grill. Check it out at theseafiregrill.com. My favorite delicious seafood place in the entire city. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach that clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning and the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk Mm -hmm. to you about it, which is not correct. But they're not talking to the Biden administration about it either. Exactly. I think that horse is out of the barn and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. We need to have an open dialogue with their scientists and our scientists keep the politics out of it and let the scientists, because these are scientists that we've known for decades and we've collaborated with them. Lion jerk off Anthony Fauci on Face the Nation yesterday. He's not politically motivated and China, blah, blah, blah. All I know is this. Right now, the folks in Beijing 
in Shanghai and all across China are locked down, a COVID lockdown, and the people have taken to the streets. In fact, according to CNN this morning, 16 different, 16 different locations across China, folks have taken it to the streets. That doesn't happen often in a communist country. With more on this, there is nobody better. I mean nobody better. He's on this show often because he's the only guy I want to talk to about these things. You can follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon G. Chang. Here's my friend, Gordon Chang. Good morning, Gordon. How are you? I'm fine, Sid, and thank you so much. You're very welcome. So the folks have taken it to the streets. I I know that G just won his third term, unprecedented third term, but not off to a very good start here. Even Beijing and Shanghai, they've taken it to the streets. They beat up a BBC journalist a couple of days ago. What is the latest on the rioting going on in China? Yeah, the protests, as you mentioned, are across China. They are large, and they are coordinated in the sense that everyone has the same grievance, but they're leaderless. This just happened because people decided that they had had enough of the COVID lockdowns. On Thursday, there was a fire in Urumqi in uh, Xinjiang, in the northwestern part of the country, and a reported 10 people were killed. Um, obviously, the death toll was a lot larger. People then, um, just right after that in Urumqi, but then in other cities as well, um, took to the streets. Um, and the Communist Party has doubled down. People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication in China, issued a landmark editorial saying that the country was going to stick with zero COVID, which was the only solution for China. So this is now a confrontation between the Chinese people and the Communist Party. I actually saw this tweet this morning from a lady I don't recognize, Taylor Lorenz. And I guess she's uh, works for The Washington Post. And she tweeted this, Gordon, there is no lasting natural immunity to COVID. You can get COVID over and over and over again because there are so many endlessly evolving strains and antibodies. Wayne, also choosing not to kill off millions of vulnerable people, as the U.S. is doing, is not a critical flaw. With record coronavirus cases, China scrambles to plug an immunity gap. So she's saying, look, this thing lives on forever They are being careful, unlike the United States, to save their people. She's making an excuse for the Chinese. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, that tweet is horrible um, because we know that uh, in China, many people have died because of the zero COVID policy. People can't get to hospitals. People have been uh, welded into their apartments where they burned to death, which is what happened on Thursday. Um, the zero COVID policies of China um, have obviously not been good. And and for her to justify it is beyond comprehension. So what happens next? Again, you've got these protests all over China, big cities, Beijing, Shanghai. We know that in the past, whether it's a Putin in Russia, communist governments uh, sometimes will shoot some of their own people right there in the street. How violent, how bad can this thing get, these protests across China? These protests could actually become a nationwide movement that removes the Communist Party. Now, we don't know whether that will happen, but we do know that uh, the Chinese people have had enough, not just of zero COVID, but of Xi Jinping and the party. And we know that because in Beijing and Shanghai, that's what the protesters have been saying. Um, You know, 
These protests, they could fizzle out, but they're going to come back. And the reason is that people have uh, now made the connection that the Communist Party is um, hurting them, not only personally, but as destroying China itself. And that's why this is even more um, a threat to the Communist Party than 1989, the Tiananmen Square movement. This is like 1949, Sid. In 1949, the Communist Party was able to take over China against a superior nationalist of Chiang Kai-shek because, as one great Chinese historian put it, the nationalists had lost people's hearts. Well, the Communist Party has lost people's hearts now, and we don't know whether it'll lose power this week or maybe a couple of years from now, but it will happen because the people have decided that they want freedom and they are not going to be denied. Joe Biden, not exactly very popular in the United States today with Chevron now getting a license to pump oil in Venezuela, that Maduro motorist regime. That's almost seems impossible to believe. But, folks, that is actually happening. And he's trying to make an excuse. It's about restoring democracy in Venezuela. When we know, of course, it's all about energy costs, has nothing to do with democracy. Now, what does he do here? Uh, If you're Joe Biden, if you were Donald Trump, what would they be doing with China basically on fire? Well, you know. Um, so many times American presidents have rescued the Communist Party. Richard Nixon did it in 1972. George H.W. Bush did it in 1989. And Bill Clinton in 1999. Now, I don't think that right now an American president can do anything to save Xi Jinping. But um, I don't want Biden to try um, because right now it's important for us to support freedom. The Communist Party um, is a threat not just to the Chinese people, but not just to its neighbors in the region, but also to the U.S., because the Communist Party thinks that the U.S. is an existential threat because it's worried about the inspirational impact that we have on the Chinese people because of our values and our form of governance. People in China want to govern themselves. They don't want the party. And that's why no matter what we do, you know, we can't stop the Communist Party from assaulting us. So just to wrap China up in a nice little bow here, Gordon Chang, the great Gordon Chang, you don't expect these protests to stop anytime soon. They may even gain in number. And eventually, according to you, this may oust the Communist Party in China. Yes. I mean, look, some of the anger over the fire on Thursday, that may fade. But the real problems right now for the party is that, um, as I said, Uh, the party has lost their hearts. So these protests can fade for a moment, but they will come back. And so we will see in the pretty near future, I think that the people of China will win and Xi Jinping and the Communist Party will lose. Let's move to Iran here for a second. I'm not sure if you're keeping up with the soccer, the World Cup soccer, but we actually play, America plays Iran tomorrow. It's a big game for both clubs because a win has either one of the clubs moving on in that group, Group B, I guess. But uh, more importantly, I don't know if you saw this, Gordon, a couple days ago when Iran started the tournament against England, they did lose the game, but the players on the team refused to stand for the national anthem because much like in China, there are protesters in the streets in Iran, and the players on the soccer team were showing their solidarity not to the government but to the folks in the street. I thought that was very refreshing. What did you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it shows that the people of Iran – You know, they right now can't remove their regime, but they are willing to put themselves on the streets at great risk. 
and this has been periodically. Um, you know, in, in 2009, I think, um, you know, it was to our shame that President Obama didn't support the protesters. Um, you know, I don't know why um, Obama and now Biden think that uh, we have any common interest with the Ayatollahs. Right now, what we must do is support the protesters because they want what we have, which is the right to govern ourselves. Now, uh, this is a story that just broke. The Ayatollah Khomeini, his niece, is an activist in Iran. She has taken to the streets to help the protesters. You know the story about that young lady. I think she's still missing, 24 years old and still missing there. And she was arrested. Ayatollah Khomeini's niece was arrested for protesting, but she's had enough as well. So much like China, do you see these protesters in Iran gaining in numbers, getting more and more bold and just looking to oust that government? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, what we've seen in the most recent round of protests is led by women. It started with um, the disappearance of a woman um, and, and death of a woman, and, and now it's going to continue. I think you're right. So um, the deal, the Iran deal, that awful deal that Obama and Kerry put together before Donald Trump came in and whacked it. Now there's been all kinds of rumors that Joe Biden and John Kerry want to do it again. I know you kind of uh, glossed over it a couple of minutes ago, but do you think that's back on the table or do you think now America will stay out of it because of what's going on in the streets in Tehran? Yeah, I think that that deal, at least for the moment, is dead. Um, and part of it is because Russia was very much behind it and Russia would benefit from it. But the fact that we're talking to Iran about this, to me, is hideous because we should not be helping the Iranian regime. And that's what we would be doing, you know, sending them cash, legitimizing them, and especially at this critical moment where um, women and uh, regular Iranians and want, uh, you know, want the Ayatollahs gone. So this really is important for us. Um, you know, when you go back to the the, the 2015 deal, um, that was wrong. Um, and it was wrong because um, we were giving them money, which they were using for terrorism. And we also know that they were violating the deal. And, and President Trump had the courage to say, no, I can't certify compliance. You know, we saw... Um, you know, we saw the Obama administration certify compliance when they knew that Iran was actually secretly enriching uranium. This just was wrong. Let's move now from China to Iran to North Korea. There's a story in today's New York Post. Little Kim back again. New sign. She may be Pop's successor. So I guess Rocket Man there in North Korea at some point is going to have to step down or maybe be killed. Who knows? And it looks like his daughter is being primed to replace him. What's the latest in North Korea? Yeah, this is really one of the most amusing stories. Um, his 10-year-old daughter has now been uh, revealed to the public at two events uh, this month, both of them relating to the Wasong-17, which is an intercontinental ballistic missile. You know, most people think, and I think it's probably true, um, that what he's doing is trying to tell the North Korean people that uh, little Ju A was um, his successor. But, you know, he has three children. They're all young. I think it's a little bit early for Kim Jong-un to um, to tell anybody that one of them is going to succeed him. I think that this has more to do with Kim's sister, um, Kim Yo-jong, um, who is clearly very capable and seemingly ambitious. And I think Kim Jong-un is telling his sister, back off, forget about taking over if I have problems. 
Kim Jong-un has medical problems, a series of them. And so, um, you know, the talk of succession is not premature in a sense, but a 10-year-old is just too young to designate to be the next leader. <laughs> I would say so. Gordon Shanks. So we're going to move again now. Started in China. Then, of course, we went to Iran. Now we just uh, we're going to leave uh, North Korea and we're going to go to Russia. Uh, this major fire breaks out at an oil refinery in Russia, Angarsk, Russia. Is this foul play? Was just uh, this just a, um, I don't know, just a fire broke out? What are you hearing about this fire at the oil refinery in Russia? Yeah, that I don't know. Um, but there have been suspicious events across Russia, and many people expect that there's Ukraine um, actually trying to target Russian facilities that are important for the Russian war effort. Um, So we shouldn't be surprised. And this is something, you know, a lot of people say, well, the war is spreading to Russia. Well, you know, the Russians have spread the war to Ukraine. Um, So right now, I I think that it's important um, not to try to put restraints on Ukraine um, because they should uh, be given all the means to defend themselves. The Biden administration is thinking of giving long-range rockets to Ukraine, uh, 100 miles or so. That could obviously reach into Russian territory. I don't think that's a problem. I think Ukraine needs to take the war to Russia. Yes, it's dangerous, but once deterrence broke down, once the Russians invaded Ukraine, every option becomes dangerous for us. All right, 60 seconds to go, Gordon. I want to revisit something I mentioned earlier, and that is the U.S. getting the green light, the Chevron, to pump oil in Venezuela. The White House is making an argument. This is about restoring democracy. Anybody with half a brain knows, no, it's not. It's about energy costs and the trouble we're in because of uh, deciding no longer to be energy efficient here in the United States, energy independent. Quickly, your thoughts on us pumping oil in Venezuela. There is no way to justify that. If you want to pump oil, pump it in the United States. We're not supporting democracy in Venezuela. We're just giving money to a dictator. Um, that's simple as it's clear as day that what the Biden administration is doing is 1,000 percent wrong. Yes, Maduro is a uh, murderous dictator as well. I mean, a really nasty guy in Venezuela, that whole family. So this is a very embarrassing moment once again for Joe Biden and the American people. Uh, for you, Gordon Chang, it's always an A-plus, a Grand Slam home run. You were tremendous on this post-Thanksgiving Monday morning. Thank you for stopping by. Let's do it again very soon, and happy holidays. Happy holidays, Sid. Thank you so much. You got it. There he is, folks, Gordon Chang. Check him out. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. We did it all there, folks. You got Russia, North Korea, Iran, China, Venezuela, the United States. Hope you feel a little smarter this morning. Still a lot more to do. Next hour, huge hour coming up right here. Sid Rosenberg with you on a Monday on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The rhetoric during the campaign was, uh, you know, kind of sobering and discouraging. You know, taking us back to 
kind of Willie Horton uh, era politics. So encouraging to see the response, but more more broadly, our uh, our body politic, both throughout our state and nationally, it's, it's sobering and discouraging um, that we are we are still uh, seeing what we saw during the campaign. So, well, you used a, a very charged historical reference there, Willie Horton. Will you go a little deeper into that? Sure, and I know you you have an astute listenership, so that we'll we'll call that 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 time period and the the, the ad there and how uh, really race was weaponized. Um, and and like look, we doing. have significant public safety issues uh, in Manhattan, in the state, and nationally. Um, I know that I'm living them. I'm raising my family here. As I said, I've been here all Yuck. 49 of my years. Uh, but we've got to talk about them in a sober, fact-driven way and about reality. Uh, and not, I mean, if you looked at the, um, you know, those ads, which I tried to not watch, but they were appeared to be ubiquitous. Uh, there were times where I was the only black face. Uh, and um, one has to ask whether that was intentional, whether uh, what the message being sent was. Let's talk about the work we're doing in the office um, every day and not just have, you know, rote uh, tropes uh, from years gone by. Sometimes I wonder where I've been, who I am, do I fit in? Make-believing is hard alone Out here on my own We're always proving who we are Always reaching for that rising star To guide me far Shine me home I all my own When I'm down And feeling blue I close my eyes So I can be with you Oh baby, be strong for me The great Irene Cara from the movie Fame out here on my own. Irene passed away this weekend at the age of 63 years old. Fame, flash dance. Once again, a part of my childhood died this weekend. She was great with this song. This is a beautiful song. Once again, out here on my own, Irene Cara. It's a shame she had to follow that lying, racist, lowlife, POS, garbage, Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. What a racist lowlife he is tried to claim that Lee Zeldin's rhetoric, his campaign, was racist. Before I get to that, though, on the great Joe Borelli, I do want to once again make mention of uh, Joe Murray. What a job this guy did in Rockaway on Saturday night, the Little North Pole, an annual event. I just moved to Rockaway a few months ago. Never, never knew about it. Never been there, never knew about it. And um, was invited, co-hosted the event with uh, Joe Causey. Joe's a terrific guy, legendary here in, in New York. And... Um, David, um, well, I'm going to get this guy's name wrong. Todd Wharton, that's what it was. And the three of us hosted this wonderful event for the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation, which Joe does a great job of raising money for every year. I had the, um, the fortunate opportunity 
if you will, of introducing my very, very dear friend, Stephen Van Sant, on stage. Van Sant was there on Saturday uh, for Tony Sirico. Sirico, a.k.a. Paulie Walnuts, had been there for 16 consecutive years. He loved the kids. But, of course, Tony died this year. So Stephen Van Zandt, a.k.o. Silvio Dante from The Sopranos, and, of course, uh, the great little Stevie from Bruce Springsteen's East Street Band, he showed up uh, on Saturday for Tony Sirico. And, again, it was just an amazing, amazing event. It really was. And everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. And there were thousands of people there. Lou was there with MJ for a little bit, my beautiful wife, Danielle, my son, Gabriel. And it was a great event. Now, tonight they continue it with uh, Kids with Autism. They'll be by the house later on tonight. So it's not just a one-day event just for diabetes. It's a couple of days. So congratulations to Joe Murray and the folks, his uh, fiance Jody, and all the folks involved in that great Little North Pole event. It was beautiful. Can't wait to do it again next year. Now, my next guest is a councilman out of Staten Island, majority leader. Guy is uh, great. Saw him on Fox News this morning. Longtime friend of mine and great guest on this show, Joe Borelli. Joe, happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. How are you, pal? You too. I mean, I'm enjoying Thanksgiving turkey sandwich leftovers like I'm sure everybody else is. But by the way, I'm glad you shouted out Joe Causey. He's my neighbor uh, over here in Annadale. And it should be noted that when there, whenever there's a charity event, whenever there's a, a needy cause, Joe Causey's always the first online to volunteer his services and his time uh, and, and dig into his pocket. So he deserves a, a big shout out from you. And I'm glad you gave it to him. No, he's a nice, uh, sweet man. He really is. He's been around a long time and he does a terrific job. And I enjoy him. I've been with him now once or twice. I did that celebrity softball game for Dolores Catania, Real Housewives, a couple of years ago. Joe was there for that. I uh, did this on Saturday. So he, um, he's a really terrific guy. So I'm glad you brought him up. Now, uh, on the next note, earlier this morning, I had our friend Curtis Sliwa on the show. You guys have had a very ugly back and forth now for a couple of months, dating back to a trip in Greece. But I'll tell you this, this morning, Curtis was 1,000% complimentary talking about your stance on the immigration issue on Staten Island and in New York. Not one negative word from Curtis Sliwa about Joe Borelli this morning. In fact, 1,000% complimentary. Well, well, this is good. It is the season for uh, rekindling old friendships, I guess. Uh, and good tidings. So I'm glad to hear that, Sid. That's a, that's a positive development, and thank you. Do you still hate him? No, look, I, I, I try not to think about him, but if he's going to be nice to me, I'm happy to be nice right back to him, and we'll, 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 we'll make a New Year's resolution to start the year fresh. How about they, that? I like that, yes. Another one of your buddies, Johnny Tobacco, he was actually oh, at the same event on Saturday night where Joe Corsi was. In fact, him and Kara showed up. And they did a whole Wise Guys episode for Newsmax coming up this Saturday night. So you can watch this great event with me and Joe Causey and Mayor Eric Adams and Stephen Van Zandt and a host of others with Tobacco and Cara on Newsmax on Saturday. How about that? That's that's exciting. I'm excited for the big Newsmax Christmas party. I'm sure you're going to be there. Nope. Uh, that's going to be a blowout like it was last year. It's that won't be, be there. Time. Why would I be there? I don't work there. Oh, he invites everybody. Who's he? Uh, Chris Ruddy, Chris Ruddy, and <laughs> the, the production crew. Yeah, I don't know. He, I don't know. Right, Where's I know, well, where, I know Johnny Tobacco will be there. Where, he, he and I were having a. Well, Johnny works there. there. Where's the party at? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I, no. I just got the invitation over the weekend, but okay. uh, it's somewhere in Manhattan. Okay. Well, I did see you on Fox News this morning, the competitor for a Newsmax competition. Uh, very early, you looked great, you sounded great, and you were talking about Alvin Bragg. I played that piece with him on the Brian Lehrer show from last Wednesday where this lowlife was actually accusing Lee Zeldin of running a racist campaign and racist rhetoric. And 
I reminded listeners this morning that Lee Zeldin was a lot more uh, critical of a white lady, Kathy Hochul, than he was of Alvin Bragg. And Alvin needs to know that people don't care that he's black. We just don't like the fact that all these percentage of crimes are going up in a big way in this city. I thought what he did last week, claiming it was racist and the rhetoric was uh, really gross. But, hey, that's Alvin Bragg. I guess you weren't surprised. No, it's it's just basically par for the course. I mean, there are plenty of progressive DAs. There are plenty, you know, around New York State, there's plenty of DAs who would, you know, wear the moniker progressive very proudly. Only one of those people, only one of them out of all 62 counties decided to make a day one memorandum where they came out and said, we're going to take felonies and we're going to make them misdemeanors. We're going to make misdemeanors and we're going to, you know, S-H-I-T-C-A-N them. Right. Only one DA did that. He happens to be black, but only one district attorney in the entire state of New York ran on a campaign promise of of freeing people from jail, not prosecuting cases, and downplaying most serious offenses to misdemeanors. Only one guy did that. To say it's racist now to call him out on his absolute nonsense is is in and of itself absolute nonsense. And I I would venture to say – and and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overanalyzing this. But I think Alvin Bragg was as responsible – for picking up four House seats for Republicans in the suburbs, as Lee Zeldin was. Because all of these people in the suburbs have family members, have relatives, have friends who commute to Manhattan every day. They don't have a say in voting for, for Alvin Bragg, but they jumped on the bandwagon and supported Lee Zeldin because of his promise to clean up Manhattan by cleaning up Alvin Bragg. I think Alvin Bragg is one of the best Republican uh, DAs we've ever had for electing a Republican majority. (laughs) You're probably right. And I actually had dinner with Peter King the night and saw one of those guys, Anthony Desposito, out of Long Island. Yeah, he is a great guy. One of those four seats that did flip, like Joe Brody just told you about. I I just, you know, I I just uh, last week, I think, Kathy Hochul made the argument for Alvin Bragg, hey, it's not his fault that folks are committing crimes. It's not his fault. I mean, does she think we're stupid? Of course we know that. What is his fault? And her fault, too, is not keeping criminals in jail. And Brian Lehrer, I got to tell you, I know he's a liberal, but to let that guy sit there and say that without at some point jumping down his throat is, um, I guess, part of the course. But I'm always disappointed, Joe. It's, it's a tough listen. It's a disappointing time, uh, right, coming off the heels of the midterms where we elected Kathy Hochul. But I want to play devil's advocate for a moment because I heard that interview with Brian Lair. Uh, there's one thing that Alvin Bragg is actually correct on. He singled out the discovery law, which is a part of our bail reform. Yeah. The discovery law in New York State makes it almost impossible for a district attorney who actually wants to prosecute cases. It makes it almost impossible in a timely fashion to prosecute cases against felons and misdemeanors. That said, where is Alvin Bragg? Why isn't he going up to Albany and sitting down with the state Senate, sitting down with with the state assembly, sitting down with Kathy Hochul as the leading progressive, as he would be proud to call himself, and saying, wow, guys, your bail reform law is so bad that even me, progressive Alvin Bragg, can't prosecute some criminals when I actually want to prosecute criminals. He should be the guy on the front of the the parade with a big flag saying, change bail reform. I'm going to be lenient. Don't worry about me. But change the bail reform and discovery law so that when even I want to prosecute someone, I'll do it. He's not because he's afraid, and he'd rather play the narrative. He'd rather blame uh, Lee Zeldin for being a racist or, or whatever the case may be. He'd rather not stand up to his own party. It is amazing, though. You know, I lived on the Upper West Side for four years, as you know, Joe, before I moved to Queens. And I saw these people out there every day, three-part Democrats, and they're all like old Jewish people, white-haired. And, and they love people like Alvin Bragg out there. I just 
What am I missing? Why don't these people understand? There's, there's no way these people want crime. They don't want it. They're elderly people. They're, you know, they don't want to get beat up and knocked down when they leave their apartment on 104th Street and try to buy fish on 96th Street. What is wrong with these people? What are they thinking? I think they like the idea of Alvin Bragg. I think they like progressive prosecutors in the old sense. We had you know, someone like, like, like um, uh, the last guy. I can't, can't think of his name. Not Robert Morgan, the guy. Uh, Cy Vance. Couldn't yeah, think of his Cy Vance, name. right. Other pro- We've had other progressive prosecutors. By the way, he, my side bench was another scumbag, but go ahead. I'm sorry. But we've had progressive prosecutors that were trying to be lenient. But what they did was look at the perp, look at the contextual uh, information and facts of the case, look at the past criminal history, and then decide whether to be lenient or not. What Alvin Bragg is doing is actually having a policy to be lenient first <laughs> before you look at the policy, before you look at the perp, before you look at the circumstances. Right? Yeah. We're just going to blanket and say everyone who's convicted of a felony, well, let's try to give them a misdemeanor. That's not how it should be done. You want to be a lenient prosecutor? Go ahead. There's plenty of people who get arrested who probably don't need to spend the rest of their life in jail. But let's discern who we're going to treat like that and who we're going to throw away the key. That's fair. Uh, last thing, I, I saw this this morning, too, during your terrific interview on Fox News, and that was a report that uh, they're trying to pass a bill here in New York that would not allow landlords to check into possible renters or buyers' criminal history. I mean, that is ridiculous. Is that true? It's ridiculous. It comes up every couple of years. Every couple of years, we beat it back. This is a bill where liberals have done the unthinkable. They've united the Hatfields and the McCoys. They've united <laughs> landlords and tenants. Yeah. It turns out, you know who wants their landlord to, to, to do a background check? The tenants who live down the hall. I'll give you a great example, right? We just had this crime where a guy was accused of multiple times throwing bricks through a, a gay bar yeah. in Manhattan. By the way, that was on the heels of the shooting in Colorado Springs. I think the same day, actually. Right, right. But this guy, because he lives in New York, right, he'll be convicted of a hate crime, hopefully, because he's doing it for a hateful purpose, right? He's doing a, a, a bad thing. You don't want our, your landlord to find out that this person is vehemently hates LGBT <laughs> people so bad. You want this guy living in your building next to other reasonable, nice, wonderful LGBT people? And just go down the list of all different criminals and crimes and actions. There's a punch list of people you don't want living in your apartment. All we're happy to do is allow our landlords to once in a while look and do a criminal background check. And if they determine hey, – no one's getting kicked out of an apartment for, for a marijuana conviction 20 years ago. That's actually against the law already. But we want them to be able to go down a punch list. Okay, no mass murderers, no rapists, no, no stalkers, no, no cat burglars, right? I'm happy as a tenant that my landlord provides that service. I think the majority of tenants around the city would be happy if their landlord provided that service as well. Hard to argue. Joe Borelli, as always, awesome job. Love having you on. Great job on Fox News early this morning. Better job right here with me. Uh, We'll stay in touch. You're terrific. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Joe Borelli, councilman right there out on Staten Island. A lot of great Staten Island people. You know, I, I never knew much about Staten Island. I had one friend, Lyle Wolpon. Fred, his uncle owned the Mets. That was it. Told you the story a million times. But um, now I have like, I know like so many people. Joe Causey told me on Saturday he lives on Staten Island. Johnny Tobacco, Frank Morano, Joe Borelli. Who am I missing? Uh, Nicole Maliotakis, um, Teddy uh, Atlas, Teddy the great Atlas. Teddy Atlas, Vito Pocella, the Amato sisters. I mean, man, Staten Island. I mean, it's still a silly place. Luigi Bunch Zip. Of, Luigi, Luigi Zip, Zip lives there. That's right. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of mobsters and wannabes, but <laughs> what are you going to do? 1-800-848-WABC, 
9222. My next guest is a terrific lady, New York Post writer, moved to Florida. She had enough in New York. She just spent her first Thanksgiving in the state of Florida. I want to hear how it went. The very popular Carol Markowitz is set to join me next. Sid Rosenberg on a Monday with some more. Irene Cara, rest in peace. The age of 63. Sometimes I wonder where I've been. Who I am. Do I fit in? I may not win, but I can't be Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach. Bringing the heat. Uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh. Here I am in the place where I come let go In Miami, the base and the sunset low Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? So we sip a little something, leave the rest to spill Me and Charlie at the bar running up a high bill Keep your wife's name, my wife's name, out of your mouth Where's Will Smith these days? Kind of miss him. No? That's a pretty good song. I mean, you, yeah, I loved him too. I sort of, I thought he was brilliant in King Richard. And I actually even bought the uh, the reboot of Fresh Prince, and I loved it. I mean, it was edgier and racy. There was sex and cocaine and all kinds of stuff you'd never see in the original. And Will wasn't in this one. He wrote it. But I thought it was great, man. Underrated is the legend of Bagger Pants. No, that was even, a horrible movie. I couldn't even say that. that was, that's where he, re- he ruined it. And I thought it was going to be great. What Golf is, movie and no. good music. It was horrible. No, that was so you know, he's never really made. I mean, people talk about uh, the legend movie, I Am Legend. And that's a good movie. Fine. Independence Day. You know, but he's never, he's never really made a great movie outside of King Richard, has he? Even the Ali movie was a little disappointing. It was only one fight. I don't know. But I still love him. But he acted like a complete jackass, and now his career is over? That's it? Because of that? His career's not over. He's married to a psycho. This uh, Jada Pinkett is nuts. <laughs> I should see her down at the Miami Heat basketball games. And talking about Miami and the Heat and Will Smith and this song and Jada Pinkett, let's go down to Florida. Carol Markowitz, a uh, big favorite of me and Bernie, New York Post writer, especially during COVID. She was on with me and Bernie quite a bit. She got the hell out of here, like millions of other New Yorkers. <laughs> she ain't no dummy. Me, I'm selling my house in Boca. She moved to Florida. Here she is, a live from somewhere in Florida, Carol Marquis. Are you in Palm Beach or Miami-Dade? Where are you? I, I say South Florida for public purposes. Right, How are you? I'm very well. We do miss you here in New York, but um, you're living the life, right? I am. I miss you all, too, but it, this it really doesn't get any better. I can't believe I waited this long. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm the only schmuck that at the age of 48 years old, I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years. Hi, Mm -hmm. uh, Lisa Orban. For 16 years, and I was bored stiff. The weather was the same every day. The conversation was the same every day. Where are we going for dinner? Who are we going to be with tonight? A bunch of um, basically day traders and a couple of doctors and drug dealers. And I had enough, Carol. (laughs) I got out of there. I couldn't take it. 
how is that different than the conversations anywhere else? I feel like that's no, nah, they, Fl- Florida. <laughs> no, they they spent uh, so much time talking about where they're going to eat, and they're all yentas. I don't care if it's Boca, Miami, for Jews, really. Yeah, that's true. You're right. I, I <laughs> guess I'm. Being, but I'm just... <laughs> my Jewish family having New York too. Where are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it is a Jewish thing, and I'm Jewish. I can say that. But but no, listen. I, I, I imagine right now, what is it? Seventy degrees and sunny. What's the weather today? Yeah, it's like 76 right now. Oh, my God. I know. I watched the Dolphins game yesterday against Houston. It was, like, beautiful and sunny, and it was raining and freezing here. And I do miss that part of uh, South Florida. But for folks that don't know, very popular New York Post writer, Carol, uh, me and Bernie thought you were as good as it got there with Miranda Devine. For folks that don't know, why did you leave? What was the reason why you left New York if there was one major reason? So it was definitely the way the COVID restrictions were targeted at children and that I saw my kids not being able to have a normal life in New York City. I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn. My husband grew up in Queens. We were lifelong New Yorkers. We moved into our dream house in Brooklyn in March 2020. We were going to stay there forever. We had no plans to ever leave. But then COVID hit and we saw the way that children were just disregarded. I mean, there were so many moments during COVID and I know we had discussed it so many times, but, you know, schools closed indefinitely um masking was happening happening my my youngest just turned seven on thanksgiving and he had not been in school without a mask ever until we moved to florida um i saw delays happening in him i just i i I didn't like it at all there was one press conference that really sticks out to me where they announced um they were going to require a vaccination at restaurants and they forgot about children completely like they literally forgot that kids existed and there was no vaccine for kids at the time yet um, and they had just and so like a day later they had to qualify like what was going to happen with kids because the assumption was kids were just not going to be allowed in restaurants at all. Right. Um, so I had to get my kids out of that craziness and I don't see that it, it has lifted really. I I still hear discussions all the time. I'm on all the New York boards still about should we bring back masking? Maybe we oh, should yeah. close down after the holidays. Yep. The yep. schools. Um, so many different things, and I just couldn't put my kids through that. So yeah. they're thriving now, um, especially, again, the youngest was the one that we were really concerned about. He has been Florida man since day one. He <laughs> plays football here. He plays soccer. He's shirtless 95% of the time. He's yep. living the dream. Sounds like me. By the way, my son Gabriel, <laughs> my only son, also had his birthday on Thanksgiving, November the 24th. He turned 14. Mm. So happy birthday to both of them. Look, um, everything you're saying is true. Now, Mayor Adams, who I'm starting to develop a relationship with, he doesn't want mass anymore, but Governor Hochul, she's always willing to bring them back. That I can tell right. you. But I, where me and Bernie Carroll really fell in love with you, and by the way, you share the name of Bernie's wife, was mm. you came on our show during COVID, and I believe you were the first one, even in the New York Post, to really expose the real issue with the kids, and that is the teachers' union. You went hard after Michael Mulgrew and uh, Randy Weingarten, you were the first one. So, A, congratulations. And, B, I will tell you, there's still a major issue in this city. Major. I mean, the day after the election, Kathy Hochul went to Puerto Rico with Randy Weingarten. It just shows who her political base is. Um, she absolutely caters to this special interest group, the teachers unions. And, we, you know, it, it remains a problem that these politicians are so under their control. Uh, you know, as I said throughout the pandemic, it's not that the teachers unions are so strong. I mean, look at Florida. They're not strong here. It's that the politicians that cater to them are so weak. You know, it was Governor Cuomo, then it was Kathy Hochul. Um, but they completely do whatever they say. And so when Randy Weingarten wanted schools closed for two years, that's what they did. And I, you, you really have to wonder, you know, 
what really is going on here? How are these people have so much power? And how Randy Weingart and Michael Mulgrew, how they have so much influence over these politicians, it's scary. And you're right. None of that down there in Florida. Here we are talking about now that we moved past the midterms and didn't exactly go our way. And it did in New York, obviously, and down by you, too. Miami-Dade went yeah. completely red. DeSantis mm-hmm. and Marco Rubio won big. But the rest of the country, not so much. But certainly your governor is a topic of discussion. And Donald Trump had a bad weekend sitting down with Kanye West. Lots of Jewish leaders here like Dove Heiken, yeah. they're done with Donald Trump. So your governor right now seems to be the sweetheart of the Republican Party. Do you have any comments on that? I mean, I'm a big fan of my governor, obviously. I moved down here because of his policies. I think he's phenomenal and does such a great job. I think it's just too early to be talking about 24. We're not really done with the midterms yet. We still have Georgia coming up. And I, I just, you know, it, it didn't go as great as Republicans had hoped. But I'm, you know, just I think that we need to be sort of grateful for how it did go Going as red as it did was really amazing to me, and I love to see it. Um, other places, California sent you know Republican congressmen uh, to, to the House, and these two two very blue states can be really held responsible for the fact that Republicans won the House. So, I think that we're just way too early to be talking about 24. I think the fact that Trump announced so early is a mistake. I think he's going to have two years of this kind of attention on him, and I, I don't know how that benefits oh, him. So. No. I, I, you know, I, I'd love to see Ron DeSantis um, get into it. Obviously, I think he's really great. Um, I'd love to see a, a Republican field that talks about what Republicans stand for, what they're all about, not be a cult of personality going forward, and, and really discuss where we're going as a party. I mean, Trump jumped in because he wanted to bully everybody else. I'm in this race now. Don't you dare come in. I'm going to stomp you. And he may be able to do that. And I'm, I'm still a Trump supporter, but I am very upset with what he did, meeting Kanye, this other person. He didn't know the other person, but that's fine. He certainly knows about Kanye. There has not been a, right. a more famous anti-Semite in the last month, including Kyrie Irving, than Kanye yeah. West. So uh, as a young Jewish lady, are you disappointed in Donald Trump? So I have a very quirky opinion on this. I haven't even like tweeted about it or anything. But yes, I, I am disappointed, but not, not how you think. I think that it's too easy for people to get to Donald Trump. I think he needs to make it harder. He needs to have more people he trusts around him. I think, you know, I, I, do I think even for a second that Donald Trump is an anti-Semite? No, I don't. Do Neither. I believe him that he, he didn't know who Nick Fuentes is? Sure. Why would he know who Nick Fuentes is? Who is this guy? He's barely anybody. Um, so I believe all that. But, it, you know, he is so susceptible to people praising him. And I think he needs to have better people around him to say, no, you can't meet with Kanye. Yes, we get he's a celebrity. Yes, you couldn't even like him. I'm actually a huge fan of Kanye West's music. I love my Yeezys. I, you know, I used to really like Kanye West. I, I, I'm not anti-Kanye. I, I, you know, I liked his his work. I, I never liked Kanye the man, but I always liked his work. And I, I get it. I get it. But you have to have people around you to say this yeah. is a terrible idea, and you need to take their counsel and say, yeah, you're right. Meeting with Kanye West right now is an awful idea. I'm not going to do it. But he's he and. I, you know, a lot of the defense of him is like, oh, he's so gracious and he's such a great guy. And that's why he let Kanye bring his friends and he didn't want to offend anybody. I believe all that. But that's not a positive for me. That is a negative. You need to have somebody around you to say, look, we can't have these people in your house. That that is just not acceptable. So the um, I think the morning guy down there, I was down there for 16 years, of course. But I was down there with the legends, Neil Rogers, Hank Goldberg, Jim Mandich. A lot of those guys are sports guys. But they have a guy who used to be a wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. He was one of Dan Marino's best friends, and his name is Jimmy Cephalo. 
and I think he still does the morning show on AM radio down in Miami. He's kind of the alternative, not the alternative. He's kind of the Sid Rosenberg of Miami. Not exactly. He's popular and handsome, <laughs> no. but that guy. Now, have you listened to Jimmy's show yet down there? No, I haven't, yeah. and they haven't had me on, so you know I can't really like them that much. But. Well, you know they they don't <laughs> like no people. One, they don't like no people. They don't Rosenberg. like they don't like New Yorkers who come down there. Trust me, they hated my guts when I would. They, they used to say to me, uh, I would complain about something, and it wasn't like, well, I got it. It was like, you know where I ninety five North is, Sid. Hot back on and get back to New York. So you you got to be careful down there. <laughs> Well, there's only one Sid. I, I I don't think that there's anybody down here who can compare. Ah, thank you for that. Thank you. Well, listen, you're terrific. Uh, Bernie, love you, and I love thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And please keep coming back, okay, please? Absolutely. It, thank it, you so much for having me. You got it. Enjoy your uh, winter down there in South Florida. Enjoy it. Bye. Take care. Carol Markowitz, folks, New York Post columnist. And, again, she really was the one before anybody else, anybody else in New York to shine the light on Mulgrew, Weingarten, that teacher's union, which continued to mask our little kids for way, way too long. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Here's the run again. So my uh, baby sister, Elizabeth, we just spoke to Carol Markowitz, New York Post columnist who moved to Florida last year. She's in South Florida. So my uh, baby sister, Elizabeth, she lives in Parkland, Florida. But she went to Michigan when we were um, younger, living at home. And um, I went to Miami. And I went to Miami right after Bernie Kosar the Hurricanes beat Nebraska to win the national championship. And then I only lasted one semester. I came home. But Lizzie did uh, the four years at Michigan. And, in fact, I had a chance to visit her quite often. It was a blast. There are very few places better than Ann Arbor. It is a beautiful College town. I mean, I mean, ice cold, brutally cold, snow, all that nonsense, but a beautiful town. And when Lizzie was there, the basketball team won the national championship. That was the team with Glenn Rice that beat, believe it or not, Seton Hall. Seton Hall, coached by P.J. Carlissimo, had that team in the final game, and Glenn Rice beat him. There was a terrible foul call on a guy named Romil Robinson, and Romil hit both free throws Glenn Rice had the best tournament I've ever seen. And to this day, Glenn Rice and I talk all the time. We're dear, dear friends. And Michigan won. The football team back then when she was there had a guy quarterback named Jim Harbaugh. He's now the coach. Another guy named Elvis Gerback. These are some of the players that were there then. So um, I became a Michigan fan because my sister went there. And I love college football. Don't forget, folks, I worked for 11 years down in South Florida and College football down there reigns supreme. I told you this story before. 
Miami Dolphin football players used to complain that they couldn't get into nightclubs in Miami because they let the Hurricane players in first. The Miami Hurricane college players down in Coral Gables before the pro players. Down in the South, here in the United States, college football is religion. That's why I love that show, College Game Day on Saturday mornings, when they take it to the road, all those guys, Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreet, Desmond Howard, Pat McAfee, all those guys. I forget the host. Is it Carl Ravage? Whoever he is. And they go to one of these really cool college places, and, and it's a bunch of fun. There is nothing like a college football game. Just so you know, folks, for example, the Horseshoe in Ohio, where the Buckeyes play, over 100,000 people sit there. Same thing in Michigan. And Michigan never beats Ohio State. They finally beat them last year, and that was a big deal for Jim Harbaugh because he got the monkey off his back. And Michigan went to the playoffs, and they, they lost badly to Georgia, I believe. So Michigan went to Ohio State this Saturday as a pretty big underdog, a seven-and-a-half-point underdog, despite being undefeated and one of the four best teams in the country. And they beat the living daylights out of Ohio State, a shocking Victory. Shocking. And now Michigan finds themselves right behind Georgia as the number two team in the country and set to take on Purdue in the Big Ten Championship coming up on Saturday. A lot of big games Friday night, the Pac-12 Championship, USC-Utah. Saturday you get the Big 12 Championship, Kansas State taking on an undefeated TCU team right on number three in the country. And you got other big games on Saturday, including the SEC Championship game, lsu Taking on number one undefeated Georgia, Deborah Norville's team. You've got the ACC championship, Clemson, fresh off a horrible loss to South Carolina, taking on North Carolina. All these big games coming up this weekend, and I love it. Uh, College football, to me, is as exciting on a Saturday, if not more, than the pros. You're like a savant. Oh, I am. You haven't haven't stopped in six minutes. Listen, bro, I get so pumped up. Wow. I could talk about the Heisman all day, Caleb Williams, the great quarterback out of USC, Bryce Young, won it last year out of Alabama. The great running back out of Michigan, Blake Corum. As soon as you said Vermeil Robinson, I oh, yeah. like, oh, my God, I remember that play. Don't you remember I mean, that play? Yeah. Do you remember the name of the Australian kid on that Seton Hall team who shot the ball? He was a great shooter. None. That team had a guy named, uh, they had a guy named uh, Roberto Ramos, something like that. He played yeah. center for Portland, nearly died in a car accident. Johnny Morton was a big-time scorer, and the white Australian kid who was a great shooter, his name was Andrew Gaze. You remember him? Um, but yes. The Michigan team yes. was Loy Vaught, Terry Mills, Sean Higgins, and Glenn Rice. Uh, pretty good basketball team right the, there. Who was the kid who hit the shot at midcourt and his dad was the coach, Bryce? No, that, that was uh, Val Paraiso. Yeah, that was Bryce Drew. Bryce Drew. Hey, come on, bro. Okay. I, You're talking I, to me. You know I know. I know. That. That's why I, I wanted the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah Scott what? Drew and okay. Bryce Drew at Valparaiso. I like Bryce Drew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was a good player. Yeah. Very good player. So, anyway, uh, if you like college football, and now you go, wait a second. We don't have a team in New York. Nobody cares about Rutgers. I'm sorry, Joe Nolan and Fat Chris Carlin. Nobody cares about Rutgers. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. apologize yeah. to them. But, um, but what happens is so many parents who live here in New York, send their kids to these schools. So, for example, when Michigan plays Purdue on Saturday, there'll be a bar in the city. That'll be a Michigan bar. And there'll be plenty of, you know, parents wearing Michigan sweatshirts or U.S., whatever it is. And um, there are plenty, I mean plenty, of college football fans here in the Northeast, even though 
that's not our sport. We're more of a college basketball region. Yeah. I remember for many years, people would say to me, keep your Super Bowl tickets, keep your baseball World Series tickets. I just want courtside seats to the Big East Finals. When I was growing up, you had guys like Chris Mullen at St. John's, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. Pearl Washington. Pearl Washington at Syracuse. Ed Pinckney and those guys at uh, Villanova. Uh, the McLean brothers at Boston College. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, these, these were unbelievable. UConn, UConn every year had a great player. You know, every year. You're getting all the way back to uh, Ray Allen, who was a great player there. Dante Marshall, Danielle Marshall, on and on. So St. John's was really good. You oh, had, yeah, you had Mullen. Yeah. And, and, then they, uh, and then you had Walter Berry. And you had my man, Luke Conaseca. Great coach, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, it depends <laughs> on next game. You know, these things, it's hard to, hard to predict. Yeah. Who wore uh, more obnoxious sweaters, <laughs> Luke Conaseca or Russ Salzburg? Salzburg was actually known as the sweater, the sweater and the schmoozer. (laughs) Him and Steve Summers. Can you swim? Oh, those guys, they were great. They would just yell at each other all day. It it put Steve in a great mood. (laughs) I know Summers hated him. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm glad I can't hear him. He hated him. And and I remember Chris coming out of the studio complaining about Mike. I mean, those those are funny days. Those are great days. I sleep again, Tony. Come on, he's just sleep again. (laughs) (laughs) Just get him on. Get him on the horn. That's it. Philly, what's the latest with the soccer? Give me an update on USA. We're playing Iran tomorrow? Sure. Are we favored? Uh, I, I don't know, actually. I think we yeah. should be probably favored. Iran's not but wait, don't, we tied Wales. Didn't they beat Wales, Iran? Yeah, yeah there's a lot of parity in, in the, the world. But Iran though. got killed by England, and we played England to a 0-0 draw. Exactly. We have so good goalie. I, we have a good defense, I guess. Yeah, our, our goalkeeper's good. We've only given up one goal in two games. The team's good. I mean, the like obviously they're not going to win it this year, but it, it's good looking forward because it's a young team. So that's that's something good like for the future. It's is Landon Donovan still on the team? Landon Donovan is 108 years old. Yeah. I guess he's not there His anymore. His hairline is oh, he just fine. The cut. He just left like no. a couple of years ago. Stop. A couple of years ago. He hasn't played since like the 2006 okay. well, well, I mix my years up sometimes. Yeah, clearly. You yeah. live in the past. Well, who's winning right now, the whole soccer thing? The, the whole soccer. I mean, the, the, who's undefeated? Argentina's undefeated, right? No, Argentina no, lost. Argentina oh, they lost. lost to Saudi Arabia. That's yeah. a, oh, yes. oh, by the way, Lionel Messi. I read this morning is going to play his home games in the MLS in Miami. Uh, it's they're, they're nearing a deal. That's a big deal. He's going to be the highest paid player ever in, in MLS. Which well, should, well, well David be. Beckham made a ton of money with the LA Galaxy. It's, he's going to make a lot Messi's going to blow it away a yeah. lot more. And yeah. speaking of Beckham, uh, he's going to go on Beckham's team, Inter Miami. That's owned. By oh, that's owned. That's right. Very good job, Phil. See, this is why people missed you last week. Of course. Because you were a genius. So who's winning? Who's who's playing the best soccer right now? Brazil plays again. They're... they haven't lost yet. They play Switzerland. Is Ronaldo on Brazil? No, 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 no. no, no. Cristiano Ronaldo plays for Portugal. Oh, they also Port- haven't lost. They play today. They, right. They're one and zero. Oh, so oh far. but Uruguay's going to be a tough game. I heard Uruguay's good. They have a good attack, but they drew zero zero last game. So yeah. who knows? Right. France is already in the next round. They're yeah. the only team to make it to the next round. They're, they won both. They already games. moved on. Yeah, and they won it last time. They beat Croatia. Yeah, yeah. and, and then the Mexicans are done. Right? They had to go home. They're they're going to go home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could, they could still technically make it. But... Who? Somebody else got eliminated already. Qatar. They're oh, the first Qatar's team. out? They're yeah. the first team eliminated. Oh, yeah. Qatar and Canada. Anyway. Canada got eliminated. No Qatar. Yeah. Qatar. You know who's going to Qatar this week? I'm not. I'm, I'm being completely honest. Eric he's Adams. Correct. Oh, my God. Is he? No, he's not. <laughs> he's, going, he's going to Why? Greece on Wednesday and Qatar on Thursday. Oh, come on. For what I swear to God. Don't worry about why he's going. It's I'm, wor- I'm really worried. I'm not going to be yeah. able to sleep tonight. That's no, fine. We break. We'll come back Sorry. and wrap it up right after this. <laughs>
Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good. Great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning. and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. <laughs> Irene Cara again. The fame little flash dance. Passed away this week in the age of 63. Rest in peace. Great to have you guys back today. Missed all of you. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Macedonia, Bill, Deb Valentine, the whole crew. We'll all be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Enjoy your Monday here in New York. Until then, from all of us to all of you, peace. an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.